Hi, this is Steve. There are a lot of lists out there. Lists of the best restaurants, best athletes, best presidents, and of course, best movies. I even hear there is an entire podcast devoted to coming up with top 10 lists for films. <laughs> Hashtag the top 10 show. Support them at www.patreon.com slash the top 10. And of course, with all these lists, everyone is going to have their own opinions. But for me and our special guest this week, Scott Mance, there really is no argument when it comes to comedies. For us, the funniest movie of all time is, without a doubt, Zucker, Zucker, and Abrams' 1980 comedy masterpiece, Airplane. Mance calls it the Citizen Kane of comedy, and for me, that seems perfectly fair. John, on the other hand, wouldn't rank it so high. Did our disagreements on this movie lead to a serious, sober discussion on the relative merits of comedy classics? Honestly, I was laughing too hard to judge. We had so much fun talking about this movie and laughed so much that in my opinion, the only thing funnier than listening to our podcast might be checking out the movie itself by going to cinephiles.net where you can stream or buy Airplane along with every other movie we've ever reviewed. So that's one of the funniest films of all time, Airplane, with our special guest, Scott Mance, this Friday on The Cinephiles. And just so you know, guys, the white zone is for the immediate loading and unloading of passengers only. You keep saying that. You know that the red zone is, the white zone has always been no parking in the red zone. Don't give me that, that red white, zone bullshit. You know what this bullshit. is about. You want me to have an abortion. <laughs> it's the sensible thing to do. <laughs> Hello and welcome once again to The Cinephiles, where each week we enter a world of a great film, and you are going to hear this all day, because today, with our very special guest, Scott Mance, we are digging into what I think would you call the Citizen Kane of comedies? Absolutely. <laughs> I would call Airplane, which came out July 2nd, 1980, the Citizen Kane of comedies. It is the funniest movie ever made. Wow. What do you think, John? I disagree, but Okay. <laughs> I, it certainly was uh, a very funny uh, film to me at one time, but we'll have a conversation about it today. This will be fun. Hi, Steve, John, and Scott. This is Mike from Lunarburg, Massachusetts. I am beyond thrilled that you're discussing Airplane this week. It's my second favorite comedy of all time behind Monty Python and Holy Grail. What makes this movie so special to me is just the sheer amount of jokes, visual gags, non sequiturs, and just constant barrage of insanity that still supports a coherent plot. From classic lines such as I am serious and don't call me Shirley, to characters like Johnny and Mrs. Cleaver talking jive. There are jokes for everyone. And don't forget to stay for the post credit scene. Again, thanks for doing this one. Hey John and Steve, this is Joe from London. Airplane was one of the very first movies I earned on DVD. I was introduced to it by a good friend when I was about 11. It was one of the many movies I've bonded with my dad over. I found it funny then, but as I've gotten older, I've been able to appreciate the jokes more and more and find it funnier and funnier each time I watched it. Even at that young age, I was able to easily understand how this is one of the greatest comedies ever made. I really look forward to hearing what you've got to say about it, and I just want to tell you both, good luck. We're all counting on you. <laughs> well, John, since we got here, do you remember when you first came to this film? Yeah. Um, I think it was a few years ago on VHS. I think it was, I was like... Maybe in my 20s, late 20s, and I rented it because everyone said how great the film wait, was. Wait, wait, you didn't see this until a few years ago? I mean, yeah, like, yeah. But VHS, so it had to be at least Right, VHS, years. yeah, so, VHS. So, okay. I just said I heard the Shirley thing all the time because it was a... <laughs> 
Of I course. used to listen to an old uh, Don and Mike used to be the DJs in DC. Don, the Don and Mike show, and they would play clips to old intro the show of of little things. And the Shirley one always was in there. Of course, you're talking about Shirley. You can't be serious. Right. Don't call me Shirley. Right. It was always <laughs> in there. So. And then occasionally they play the hospital one. What's a hospital? Well, that's a building full of patients. That's not important. <laughs> that's not important right so now. You, you, so, you know, I, I did not, I, I know they were just, so eventually I finally rented it and watched it uh, and laughed along with it uh, and uh, watched just about everything Zucker and Abrams did after that uh, and before that because I wanted to have uh, access to it. So, yeah, so it was, that's how I came to it. So do you think that by that point, because you you got caught on to a late on home entertainment, yeah. do you think maybe you heard so much about it that when you finally sat down to really, okay, let's see what the fuss is all about, yeah. maybe you just had higher expectations? Oh, well, no, I, I liked it when I saw it the first time. I think seeing it this time for the show, there's a lot of dated stuff and there's a lot of holes in it and stuff you would never be able to get away with now. Well, that's well, absolutely true. Yeah, true. That's definitely true. What was your introduction to air? So mine, I'm pretty sure this is where it was. I saw it in the theater. It's 1980. When did it come out? 1980, July 2nd. July 2nd. That makes perfect sense because we, my Uncle Russell had a condo up in Tahoe. And we went up for a summer thing in Tahoe and went to the little theater in Incline Village. And here is my memory. This was... The funniest thing I had ever seen in my entire life. And it was so funny. And I don't know, you know, because I was 11 years old, 10 or 11 years old. I don't know if this is true or not. But in my memory, I was laughing so hard, I fell out of the chair in the movie theater onto the ground and was struggling to get back into my chair, but couldn't stop laughing. See, that is the experience that I had. I saw the film. I guess we're the same age. I saw the movie. We're like a month we're like a month apart. Yeah, and yeah. I was it was uh, the summer of 1980. I was 11 years old. I didn't <laughs> turn 12 till that November. So, I went with my mother to she took me to the Eric Feasterville in uh it's right outside northeast philadelphia mm-hmm. and uh i just remember it was an afternoon screening an afternoon movie and you know the the humor in the film and we'll get to that as we get to you know really sort of get into the scenes mm. there was a lot in that movie that that i had never seen before <laughs> in a film and uh you know certain words that came up certain things that you see that oh, yeah. being 11 i'm seeing that in this movie for the first time but what i do remember is a sort of a similar experience like you steve that i was laughing so hard in at one joke that i laughed over yep. something else that happened and i would say wait wait what did he just say what did he just say and she's explaining that and we both talked over another joke we're like this was a film that uh, of all things, yeah. you had to see it again and again to see every joke that you missed because you were laughing too hard. And I did see it again and again and again. I probably watched this movie, I don't know, 50 times before I graduated from high school. Wow. I mean, I watched it over and over. It was just, We just put it on all the time. Wow. Like, as soon as, we had, as soon as there was a VHS tape, I had a VHS tape of Airplane, hmm. you know? I watched it constantly. I, I definitely watched it a lot. It was, uh, I remember when we got... Uh, HBO uh, in the early oh, yeah. 80s. This was back when home box office was actually Movies. a box yeah. on the back of the TV yeah. that box. you switched it. You It was a switch from A to B. Right. And and at the time, I mean, there were a lot of movies that that were on all the time. Close Encounters was one of them. Stripes was was on all the time. Sure. And and Airplane was on all the time. And I would always watch it. And and one time, I actually took my tape recorder 
and I held the microphone yes. up to the TV to record it because I, we didn't have a VCR yet. And I I learned the dialogue, and I was laughing along with the dialogue. It was you know you saw a push person after my own heart. That is that that is such a perfect and I because I used to record things with the little cassette player, the one where you hit play and record, yeah, yeah, and uh-huh. bring them around. And what's funny is I realized like. My child has no idea what hitting play and record at the same time is. That right, doesn't. Right. Did you do that, John? No, that sounds. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't know how to do. I wouldn't know. It never occurred to me. I still. I mean, not that I listen to them, but just because I was making you know, mix they're... CDs or mixtapes. That's what I was doing. Sure. For just just for well, you probably could reasons. talk to girls, right? I couldn't. Yeah. See, see, I was not talking. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. talk to girls. At yeah. fifteen is when I learned to talk to girls. Yeah, I didn't start talking to girls. That's like thirty-five. <laughs> I didn't know what a girl was till I was 17. I was a late bloomer, but I, w- I would hold the tape recorder up to the TV, and I still have cassettes of Star Trek episodes. Wow! That that I mean, I can't listen to them now uh, because I don't even have a tape player. But you know, they're they're it's for sentimental reasons. But I figured you would appreciate the Star Trek. Oh yeah, dude, absolutely. I have a tape recorder in here somewhere if we want to pull them out sometime. <laughs> okay, there you go. I used to record off the. Radio. That's sure. What I would, yeah, that's what I would do. But yeah. Anyway, go ahead, Steve. Yeah. So, um, uh, I have a little bit of pre-production. Of course, this starts with our writer directors, which are Zucker, Zucker, and Abrams, mm-hmm. who became so famous as just the funniest filmmakers there were for a long period of time. And they started in Madison, Wisconsin, at the created the Kentucky Fried Theater, which I never knew about. I didn't know that before the Kentucky Fried movie, there was the <laughs> Kentucky Fried theater right. and late and what they one of the things they do would do all this kind of comedy um and they would do these sketches and it become kind of famous and one of the things they did in the sketches was they would do commercials they would do commercial parodies how would they find out about what commercials to parody was they would program their vcr to record the late night movie oh. and they would next day watch because those were when the stupidest commercials were yeah. that they could parody and one night they're watching some of the commercials and in between the commercials is this movie this is captain wilson and our first officer Mr. Stewart, and this is Mr. Stryker and his son, Joey. Joey, here's something we give our special visitors. Would you like to have it? Thank you. Thanks a lot. You ever been in the cockpit before? No, sir. I've never been up in a plane before. And they go, wait a minute. Is this for real? And that movie is Zero Hour. Which have you seen? Have either of you seen any of it? I've never even heard of it. What is Zero Hour? Zero Hour is Airplane. It is literally, not only is it airplane, like I knew that it existed and now I've actually watched some clips from it. It's frequently shot for shot airplane and much of the dialogue in airplane is in zero hour. What? Unless I can get all these people to a hospital quickly, I can't even be sure of saving their lives. Is there anybody else on board who can land this plane? And so they bought the rights to Zero Hour for $2,500. And not only that, Zero Hour is written by Arthur Haley, who wrote... The airport movies in the 70s. I always thought that Airplane is a parody of the airport movies. That's what I thought. Wow, what an education we're getting, John. It is actually a remake of Zero Hour. I'm looking this up. And when we get into what some of the stuff that's in Zero Hour, you will see. I mean, it really is. Is Zero Hour like out? Is it like on iTunes to download? I'm sure it's it's somewhere that you can find it. Oh, Zero Hour. Man, okay. Yeah, I thought it was like a – because you had Airport, Airport 75, Airport 79, the Concord. Those I used to watch because my parents loved those. Well, that's what I thought it was too, but it's not – well, I mean, it is that too. I mean, obviously, they're taking things with that, but if you think about – the movie airplane 
One of the big ones is there's this guy who who uh, had this accident in the war, and he hasn't flown since the war. And is that is that the Vietnam War, or is that the Korean War, or is that World War Two? Because it's World oh, War Two, because it's God. a 1957 movie. It's a 57 oh. movie. It's, so it's zero hour. And so one of the, like one of the big fights when they said, "I'll get a little bit ahead of myself." They they sold, finally sold the movie to Paramount, and the guy they sold it to is Michael Eisner. Head of Paramount at the time. And they said, We want to do a period piece. And he said, No way, period pieces don't work. You got to do a modern piece. And they said, Well, we want it to be in a prop plane. It has to be in a prop plane because that's what's in zero hour. And they said, No, it has to be in a jet. Eisner insisted. (laughs) So what they did is all the sound effects of the jet are prop planes. It's a propeller sound effect. You know, I was wondering why a jet. Yeah, and it just occurred to me when I was watching it last night. Like, why is this commercial airliner? Making like uh, yeah. a sounds of a propeller, propeller plane. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was the fakest looking plane, God, you know, which was deliberate because this movie, this movie had a budget of three point five million dollars and it made eighty four million dollars in nineteen eighty. It was the fourth highest grossing movie of nineteen eighty worldwide. It grossed one hundred and thirty million on a three point five million dollar budget. Wow. Kachink. No, this is so, well, and, and and so what they uh, they come to L.A. They hook up with John Landis, and he makes Kentucky Fried Movie. They'd never been on a movie set before Kentucky Fried Movie, which I've seen. I have very vague memories of that. See, I haven't seen it. In a that's long the time. first one I rented. Oh, you saw when that I first. was fifteen or sixteen. Kentucky Fried Movie, because everyone said, "Ooh, that's the one." It's got some real risque stuff in it. They say some stuff or do some stuff, and you watch it because Richard Pryor's in that. There's a bunch right. of people, a whole bunch of Kentucky people. Fried Movie that I know about, and then Amazon Women on the Moon. Yep, came out around that time, and then eventually I found my way to airplane in the '90s. But right, like the '80s was all about that. Because I think everyone was trying to be like Bell Brooks with Blazing Saddles and right. with uh, Young Frankenstein and High Anxiety. They're trying to do parody things, and so you see these other people come through. Right. And the 80s was full of that. Here's your newspaper. Here's your newspaper. <laughs> Barry Levinson, actually, that. <laughs> so for Kentucky Fried Movie, so for Kentucky Fried Movie, he they get the deal. They're trying to sell this airplane thing. First company who wants to buy it says, oh, we love it. We want to cast Dom DeLuise and Harvey Corman. <laughs> and what they go is, you don't get the movie. Because those aren't, you can't. The point is not to cast funny people. Play it right. straight. You need the whole movie has to be played straight or it doesn't work. Right. Uh, so they're off to Paramount. The one thing that Eisner does, he's like, no, you have to have a grown up who's a producer. So he puts Howard Koch on the movie. And Howard Koch is an old school yeah. studio guy who knew his way around. And he loved the movie. He <laughs> got it, it sounds like. And was just, it sounds like without him, there'd be no movie. Because you have three directors. They don't know anything about directing. <laughs> well, that was a big deal at the time uh, that you had, you know, these three guys, the three guys, Zucker, Z- uh, Abrams and Zucker, that they were credited. Each one of them was credited as writers, but also as directors. They, they had to fight the Directors Guild to mm. to let that go through. That's so and, weird. But even, even though over and over again, you know, the whole the whole way, you know, the, the movie only works when you when you play it straight. But e- even having said that, you know, the role of Ted Stryker. Uh, the following people either auditioned or were considered Ooh. to play Ted Stryker, which okay. originally went, which finally went to Robert Hayes, mm-hmm. who was brilliant in the role. Yes. David Letterman, <laughs> David Letterman auditioned. He wanted, he wanted to play Ted Stryker, David and they did not go with him. The following people also— Is there any tape of any of this? I, I, there should be. I mean, maybe it's it not a, on the, not on the Easter thing? egg okay. on the Blu-ray, but Bill Murray— 
Chevy Chase. Bill Murray. Okay, check this out. It gets even better. Bruce Jenner. Wow. And wow. And, and then the like the really the, the this next name I actually had to surf around and do some research just to corroborate that you know what I was reading was true and it, I did see it other places. Barry Manilow <laughs> as Ted Stryker. Can you can you imagine can you imagine Barry Manilow looking into the camera and saying, "What a pisser." <laughs> I mean, what's so funny is like, I think Chevy Chase and Bill Murray, particularly at this era, mm. are two of the funniest people in the world. Sure. Especially, yeah. It would have, right. That would have messed up the movie. And, and you know, because you had Stripes, you had Meatballs for Bill right. Murray, right. you had Foul Plays, Caddyshack like, Old Times. Right around Caddyshack was 1980. That's right. Yeah. And, 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 but, it, you know, you cast them, then it instantly becomes a different kind of film because they would not have played it straight. No. Right. And well, even and if they, they played it straight, it would have, yeah. it would have come across as deliberately funny. Right. And it would have been, it would not have been the same movie. Yeah. But believe it or not, believe it or not, friends, Believe it or not, <laughs> Airplane was actually nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Picture, Musical, or Comedy. Wow. And the screenplay was nominated and actually won. It won uh, Best Comedy Adapted from Another Medium from the Writers Guild. <laughs> and boy, did it deserve to. Absolutely. I, well, this so here's the legend I've heard. I couldn't corroborate this in any way. Was that because they came up with the idea in '73 and aren't making the movie until 1980 that they just wrote a draft and then when they went to rewrite, they just put more jokes in, and then they every time they got rejected, they just put more jokes in mm -hmm. because the joke density of this movie is beyond anything I think that's ever been in film. And and actually, the joke density, the ratio of jokes that do work. To jokes that don't work is the highest of any movie of any comedy because ninety eight percent. Okay, I know you're disagreeing. John, John, you're 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 bringing you're going to bring, but no, this is good. This is good. You know, point counterpoint. Yeah, I say I would put, let him let crash. Him crash. <laughs> <laughs> See, you're laughing, John. Yeah, that counterpoint was funny. That guy was funny. They knew what they were signing up for. I say. Let him crash. Turning right to the camera. Should we get into the film? Let's do it. <laughs> we yeah. open. Sorry, guys. With Jaws. Jaws. Only five <laughs> years old when this movie was released. Yeah. Yep. We have that 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 the music and the tail of the plane coming up to between what is just cotton balls. It's just not expensive special effects. And the plane flies out. We hear that great score by Elmer Bernstein. And he what what's so great? It makes sense because he did uh, Animal House the year before. Yeah. And John Landis had come to him, and Elmer Bernstein said, I don't do comedy. What do you want? He said, no, I want you to do a completely straight, serious score, which is what Animal House has. <laughs> and that's part of what makes it funny. And when these guys came to him, he was a little bit more confident about doing comedy. And they said, we want you to do a completely straight, over-the-top, <laughs> bad B-movie score. And he went, got it. <laughs> Boy, did he get it. <laughs> and he gets it so, so well. Um, and we end up at LAX, which looks nothing like LAX today because no it's way. only one level. And we get our arrivals. We get the arrivals, and you immediately start hearing a man and a woman. The white zone is for immediate loading and unloading of passengers only. There is no stopping in the red zone. But wait, the woman comes on. The red zone is for the immediate loading and unloading of passengers only. <laughs> so which is it? <laughs> well, and this is the thing about airplane is it's just going to put the joke out there mm -hmm. it's not going to throw focus on it and what's funny is is you probably don't even pick up on the fact that they're not saying the same thing 
the first time, but by the second or third time you hear it, you're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. They're disagreeing. This doesn't make sense. Don't tell me which zone is for stopping and which zone is for loading. Listen, buddy, don't start off with your white zone shit again. And the great thing about that is that, you know, when they used to have that at LAX, you know, this constant mm-hmm. uh, uh, thing going through speakers, you know, it's a white zone, it's a loading and loading, do not park. Uh, they actually, uh, Zucker, uh, Abrams and Zucker, they were looking for voiceover actors to voice those uh, that that dialogue, and they actually reached out to the two actors, the man and the woman, <laughs> who voiced the actual LAX what? announcement. They they found the two voiceover people who recorded that for LAX, and they're a married couple. Couldn't find the names. But, you know, it's corroborated on a bunch of different places that the actors, uh, the the voiceover people who recorded the dialogue for the film were the actual people who recorded the voiceover announcement for LAX at that time. Oh, really, Vernon? Why pretend? We both know perfectly well what it is you're talking about. You want me to have an abortion. It's really the only sensible thing to do if it's done properly. Therapeutically, there's no danger involved. Do you know if they ever had any issues with children or babies or abortion well, in their uh, life? You know, babies? that would be a hell of a thing uh, because <laughs> that movie, among okay, starting with with that announcement, uh, I turned to my mother and said, "What's an abortion?" Oh my god! I mean, I didn't know. I mean, this wasn't an R-rated movie. Even though, you know, you see some nudity for like two seconds yeah, these, later in the this film. This was the days when we were more lenient with that R-rated and PG and all that jazz. Well, in particular, what could you make a joke about? Like, right. Karen and I debated for three weeks whether or not to let Jack see this movie. And and we said no in the end because because there's so many jokes where it's like, I just couldn't explain it mm-hmm, to him. Mm-hmm. You know, like there are a ton of jokes that he would adore. It's totally right. a sense of humor. It's a lot of silliness. But when you get into like race and sex and mm. there's some stuff in here that's like, I don't know how I can make him understand, A, understand why we thought this was funny, and then B, make him understand why he could never make this joke in his life. I like my coffee black, like my By men. I thought that was so. There's, that's yeah, still works. that's another one that still works. I didn't I didn't get that I didn't get that. Like, mom, what's mom? Was I kept saying like mom? What's what's that? You know what the funny thing is is I don't know what I did or didn't get because I can't go oh. like at some point I'm sure I didn't get most of, you know some percentage of the jokes and then slowly but surely I got them but I don't really know when <laughs> or on what. I mean, there's a lot of well, comedy. you saw it 150 times. I'm sure it, I saw it, it a ton it of times by osmosis. I got it. So as we're hearing the white zone and the red zone argument, we're all also seeing our characters come in we see our jive guys come in we see the church of religious consciousness guys we see we see the uh the married couple and their little kid joey coming in we see a guy going through the metal detector and we have a little metal detector joke which isn't one of the best jokes in the movie but um, it's still pretty funny i, I think <laughs> um, and then we see uh ted striker Robert- pulls up in a cab yep, yep. gets out Guy gets in the cab. Who's the guy that gets in the cab? Hey, he, who was that? Do you know? I do. This is a very so. This is so. What's funny that this is so. You grew up in Pennsylvania, right? Yep. And you grew up in Virginia. Yes. I grew up in California. The man who gets into the cab is Howard Jarvis. Howard Jarvis is extremely famous in California. Oh. In this era, because he is the guy behind Prop 13, and Prop 13 is the is the property tax bill or the property tax um, um, legislation that passed in 1977, I think. Mm-hmm. And what it was was it it's what decided that in California your property tax tax can't go up more than four percent a year. 
It maxed it out in order so to. So that's the guy that got to hop in the cab. And the re- and the thing about I remember when night my mom was on a school board when this bill when this uh, passed when this measure passed and she said this is going to ruin California education because in 1977 California had the number one education in the country and now it's in the bottom 40. Wow. wow. And because what Prop 13 meant is that. The main income for California is from property tax. And so every year there is less and less property tax. It's also why property values in California have gone up Mm -hmm. and also why people stay in their homes forever. Because the longer you stay in your home, the lower your property. Like if we sold our house today, the people who bought it would pay five times as much money in property tax. Wow. Because it just leaps up. It's super expensive to buy a new home. (laughs) So there is a reason that the guy you stick in the cab is the guy who's Taxi cab bill <laughs> is going up and up and up. Wow. And he, and he, so, so, so Ted Stryker, this is how we see Ted Stryker played by Robert Hayes for the first time. And, and so, so this guy gets in the back seat and he says, I'll be back in a minute. And then he runs off, then he comes back and he starts the meter. Starts the meter. <laughs> um, we're out in the air in the runway and we see a guy directing the plane with his little lights, and someone asks him, you know, where's the cafeteria? And he oh, goes it's over there. It's over there. He's in the lights. And a huge plane comes crashing through the terminal window. Um, this is the most expensive thing in the whole movie. They used to use this for the CBS Sunday afternoon movie. Oh, sure. They clipped this part in when they were showing multiple along with the Charlton Heston Planet of the Apes moment. Yep. Uh, explosion of the Death Star. that's Gone yes. with the Wind. Yep. All of that was mixed in this moment. And for the for years, I thought this was from Silver Streak. For mm, what? Because yeah. the train goes... With the train. Right, yeah. so I thought, and, and I just never put train and plane together. Uh, Silver Streak, 1976, mm-hmm. great movie. Good movie. So I saw Don't that think it's going to be on the cinephiles. No, I watched it recently... Yeah. But Stir Crazy, I'd like to put on the Cinephile someday. I, I love that how, movie. I don't know how that's going to hold up either, but I'll watch it again for you. <laughs> it holds, um, I it loved holds it. Up. Uh, does it? Okay. It does. Silver Streak, uh, it's like, it's okay. It's Silver okay. Streak's a little and rough. Then yeah. Richard Pryor walks in and you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Did you do Young Frankenstein? Yeah, we did. We did. You one did? of our oh, very first. Been. One of our that would have been. I think yeah. it might have been our seventh or eighth yeah. film we ever did. Love that film. So, <laughs> so, so this is the most expensive thing in the movie. It costs them like twenty five thousand dollars. It's a three quarter size model of a plane, and somehow Howard Koch, their old studio executive producer guy, yeah. he was gone when they did this, and he comes back and he goes, "What did you do?" And he said, "Oh, well, we we needed to crash this thing through a window, and it was a three quarter size, and it cost twenty five thousand dollars." He's like, "Why didn't you do a miniature?" And they said. What's a miniature? It's <laughs> oh, a cubit. But they, if they did a miniature, you wouldn't have had like the, the people, people running. Out yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, I, Zucker, Zucker, and Abrams tell a story. Can we really believe that yeah, that's sure. the true story, or is that a joke? Uh, Ted catches up to Elaine. Oh, Julie Haggerty. Julie, she's so funny. She's so funny in this. And we have a classic romantic scene, which is she's left him because he's not going anywhere in his career. And still dealing with post traumatic stress from the from the war. Yep. Which which because the movie came out in 1980 and because it takes place in contemporary times, you know the war that was fresh in everybody's mind Vietnam. was Vietnam. Yeah. But yet when they're showing him sort of flashing back and having his bouts of PTSD, they're showing biplanes. So I'm thinking. I remember thinking. Even back then, when I was 11 years old, thinking like, "Wow, he looks really young to have been in World War II." 
But again, I didn't know that it was based on <laughs> zero hour. Are those, are those zero hour clips that they're using? So I think some of them are actually the zero hour yeah, clips. When, I it gets, be surprised. when it gets to the biplanes and the ridiculous stuff, it's not. But I yeah. think some of the flashback material is the same material. God damn, that makes so much sense now. Um, yeah. and, and by the way, when they shot this, they couldn't control the airport space. It's a live airport space. So they're actually real passengers running back and forth, <laughs> which is a total nightmare to shoot. And in this shot, there is a dude pulling cable. <laughs> that they just, they didn't have a lot of time or money to shoot this thing. Oh, no. Jeez, wow. Captain Over. Okay, Captain Over. Now, this was my introduction to Peter Graves. <laughs> I, oh, had no- I had been watching Mission Impossible. I was a huge yeah. Mission Impossible I fan. I never saw Mission Impossible wow. until maybe a couple of years after I saw Airplane. Okay. And I was flipping through the, 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 t- the TV, and I see this guy with you know white hair. I mean, he must never have had black. He must have been born with gray hair. I think hair. he was. And, and I'm seeing, you know, seeing Peter Graves... Being all serious, and I'm like, wait, is this airplane? No, this is this was Mission Impossible. Oh, and so funny. Peter Graves, when when he was offered the part of Captain Over, he initially turned it down. No surprise, because he thought the screenplay was terrible. He thought it was tasteless, and he didn't want to have anything to do with it. But some of his friends read the screenplay, and they thought it was really funny. And his uh, his manager, his agent, you know, people who were handling his career said, you know, these these guys, Zucker, Abrams and Zucker, they're the hot thing right now. You should make this movie. So that is why he <laughs> said yes. I, I, I think it was brave. I mean, and he, it sounds like he was pretty scared because right now he walks up to a news rack covered entirely with filthy magazines. Yeah, porn magazines. And the magazine he pulls out carefully to take a look at is Modern Sperm. Modern Sperm. <laughs> at which point we hear... Captain Over, white courtesy phone. Captain Clarence Over, white courtesy phone. And he walks over and picks up the red phone. Yeah, no, the white phone. <laughs> the white, white phone. phone. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love that show. And then he picks up the phone, and we hear Captain Over pick up the white... I got it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So he's so he's talking to the doctor because there is a there's a there's a little girl on the plane who needs to be uh who, who needs a heart transplant. <laughs> and then you so, see the heart so the, bouncing. Yeah, so the doctor is talking That's at, the Mayo, at the Mayo Clinic. Serious conversation. Yeah. Mayo Clinic and the doctor is talking and then you pan down on the right hand side, bottom right hand side of the screen, you see this beating heart. And I remember going like, Oh my god, that's so gross. And then even during the conversation, the heart starts it's like Bouncing around in the screen, and this guy's having a serious conversation. Yep. And what is sitting behind him? What is sitting behind? 500 bottles of mayonnaise. Yes. <laughs> because they're at the Mayo Clinic. <laughs> I never noticed that. <laughs> well, this is what I mean by joke density. Is like we've yeah. had white courtesy telephone. We've had no the other one. I got it. The heart, bouncing heart, yeah. and the and the mayonnaise kit. And then he gets another call that he has someone coming in on ham radio, and he says, All right, give me ham on five, hold the mail. I mean, that's another just... Well, these are the things about these jokes. It's, these are jokes. These He's are playing it straight. These are these are like it's not situational jokes. It's not like we don't have a character who's embarrassed, which is a, we don't have people falling down. We don't have people saying witty things. They are making they're saying ridiculous wordplay jokes. Nothing is tongue in cheek. These are no dead one jokes. is no one is winking yes. to the camera. These are is a, this is a total total dad. This is a movie full of dad jokes. 
It is full of that. <laughs> it's so it's funny to watch now in retrospect. But I'm enjoying you two reliving it. This is good. This is great. Well, so, it's going to so go on a while the film, John, you know, you're watching it recently. <laughs> yeah, last night, literally watching it last night, uh, Lindley was out after 15 minutes. She was done. She was just like, this is stupid. And I'm watching. Oh, my God. Yeah, this is sacrilege. Well, John, it's not clear. It is stupid. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I think stupid right. is correct. That's stupid funny, exactly. It's stupid funny. <laughs> I was watching it last night, and I was stitches. <laughs> I was laughing I, so hard. I didn't laugh until until the disco scene. That's the first time I laughed. Oh, and, oh okay. And uh, until then. Because then everything else is, like, pretty obvious. So you're just like, okay, I get it. But, so 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 yep. you're in the airport and you have uh, Elaine played by Julie Haggerty yep. and you have you have uh, Robert Hayes uh, you know Ted Stryker and and you know she's saying it's over it's over and and she she walks away and for the only time in the movie someone breaks the fourth wall right. sure. and Robert Hayes as Ted Stryker looks at the camera says my favorite line of the movie a, a line that I have quoted many many times in different situations over the years what a pisser. <laughs> I just love that line. Is that a just, phrase at the time? I just, I, I have the no way idea. he looked at no the idea. camera just goes, what a pisser. What you a know? pisser. <laughs> I just have used that line a million times. As you should. Um, later on, he catches up to Elaine again, and now we hear a little bit more about his war record, and he hasn't been able to hold down a job, and hasn't been able to be near a plane, and that he's scared of planes, and she's basically like, it's over. You know, when, when I'm, when, yeah. this is, we're done. And a dude, because there was this time where there are these people at airports wanted to hand you a flower. And some person who's a Hare Krishna or a church of this or a church of that says, here, can you have this flower? Punch right in the face. Just right in the face. Uh, we all wanted to do that to those people at the airport. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, she we're, says to him too, she says, I can't be with a man I don't respect. Yep. And she says, the only reason the war record is an issue is it's in your head. So it's important coming Which, down the line. I believe, the, the, I believe yeah. those lines are directly out of Zero Hour. Oh, it makes sense. They're perfectly Zero Hour lines. Totally. They're also so relevant because it was just a few years after Vietnam. Right. Sure. So, geez. Wow. Um, so we're in the cockpit. We have Captain Over. We have Victor. Victor and we Victor. have a guy coming up to wash the windows. Yeah. <laughs> Which is... <laughs> is that Jimmy Walker? JJ Jimmy Walker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and apparently the studio initially said, let's put a ton of cameos in the movie. This is really the only one um, that they put in as yeah, a cameo. Yeah, good point. Um, and he, you know, there's a little bit of physical comedy. And we're hearing just talk about the the flight and in comes one of the co-pilot, Roger Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Los Angeles Lakers. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, uh, that was that was a big get that was a big casting stunt for 1980 do you know who they originally wanted no pete rose <laughs> oh it was all written for pete rose but no. then they ended up shooting in the summer and so oh, they, couldn't use him. Yeah. they couldn't use him um the reason by the way that kareem is in this is the pilot in zero hour is elroy crazy legs hirsch right. an nfl football player he used to be at philadelphia eagles yeah. Ah, so he was the pilot in Zero Hour. So they're like, well, we have to have a sports star <laughs> to be the pilot in this, or the co pilot. That's brilliant. And it totally works. He is great in the movie. He's so for that great. Part, for that I part. love when he grabs the kid. Oh, my God. Well, it's uh, so odd what they're doing this. Like, so no, good. Because when you see OJ Simpson in Towering Inferno or something, right. they're not playing OJ Simpson. And so we go, like, oh, I guess it's a cameo, and Kareem is playing Roger Murtaugh, the, the co pilot, which reminds me of Roger Murtaugh which is Lethal Weapon. But um, but in this case, 
no, we actually are going to comment on it later on. Um, and then a guy comes up and he swipes the credit card through the window. What's that for? What was the joke there? Because they're filling up their gas. They're doing that's what JJ's doing. He's checking the oil and doing the windows, and he's trying to he's trying to close the hood. Trying to, which by the way, none of that works because when I was a kid, there were full service gas stations. Right now, now you got to live in Oregon and New Jersey. Those are the only places that still have full service gas stations. Those were the days. Yeah. Um, And we see like a little kid in a suit who's reading uh, U.S. news, checking out a young girl in a business dress. Mm -hmm. They had a lot more stuff that's on the cutting room floor with these two, by the way. Did they really? Yeah. So Ted Stryker goes to the ticket counter and gets one ticket on the flight to Chicago. And they (laughs) ask if he wants smoking or non-smoking. He says, I'll take smoking, please. And the ticket is smoking. I mean, how do you not love this movie, John? Come on. How do you not love this movie? I'm enjoying you guys are living it. Like this I said, you guys are making me enjoy the movie I more. I mean, like, there's, <laughs> there's, there's not, like, seriously, there's not 10 seconds that goes by in this movie that's wasted. To Every me. single moment. Right. And you're you're, last, you're you. laughing. You're laughing all, so hard at one joke that you laugh over another joke and you, you miss it and you have to go back and watch it again. Mm-hmm. So there are two, we're seeing a whole bunch of characters on the plane and we meet two characters who are known as, in the script, the Jive Guys. Those guys are great. Oh, the Jive Guys. It's uh, <laughs> Oh, the Jive Guys are hilarious. Norman Gibbs and Al White. And here's, how the, here's where this joke came from. Our three guys from uh, Wisconsin go to see Shaft. Oh, yeah. And couldn't understand the dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is where, so then they wrote their version of Jive Talk. Three, these three white guys from there. And they set it out for auditions. And their very first audition of the day is Norman Gibbs and Al White. Wow. Who knew each other beforehand. Oh. And they had sat down and rewritten all of it oh. in their own language. <laughs> and that is what's in this. So they wrote all Jeez. this. It is brilliant. Yep. I mean, I, I replayed it multiple times. I'm like, they are so perfectly committed mm-hmm. to this it sounds like a completely real language, language yeah, and yeah. a different language. John, uh, of co- but of, of course, you know, in this language, you know, golly means she. she. <laughs> Jive to me is akin to what you see with in Britain when they do their version of that slang that rhymes with the word they actually mean. That kind of thing where you see, oh, it's a Barney, a Barney rubble, trouble. That's what I'm trying to get at. Jive is basically that version of that yeah, for, Amer- for Amer- for um, or black Americans, yeah. Apparently when this played inter- when it's played internationally and it was dubbed, yeah. this nobody laughed. Nobody <laughs> laughed anywhere except in Germany. Oh. Because in Germany there's some, I think, northern German right. dialect where people, and so they use that as the oh. jive, and they wrote it, and they and, and then everyone thought it was hilarious. That's funny. <laughs> it's funny. Jive, jive, I, I, just talking. The jive you know, is great. The, the, the jive is great. Yeah. You got to be on board by this. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board with the jive. I love You're the two. On board with the golly sheep. And yeah. when uh, the beaver's mom, that, that interaction is Gold. Uh, oh, the, oh. The, the, the I speak jive. <laughs> oh, fantastic. And when it comes back in the sequel in the court, that's funny too. See a sequel. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that court scene is good and it goes downhill from there. The um uh there's a bit, one of the bits I don't like so much is a, a goodbye with the soldier and oh yeah. The, it's clad there's a conductor, it's all classic movie cliches, and then as he's leaning out the plane as the plane's going away and she's knocking down towers. Yeah. It's funny. It's not. It's not one of my favorite bits. Where there's so many good bits. Well, what one? Uh, you know, we talked about the casting 
of Ted Stryker, all those people who were, who were down for playing Ted Stryker or, or considered or even got so far as an audition. Did you know that the part of Elaine, Elaine Dickinson, that this actress auditioned for it, Sigourney Weaver. Oh, wow. I did Sigourney not Sigourney Weaver mm. was very much considered to play Elaine. Wow. And, I mean, look, Julie Haggerty is great. But, I mean, listen, we have seen Sigourney Weaver do comedy. Uh, and we've seen her do horror. And we've seen her do drama. She's a fine actress. Uh, she is an absolutely fantastic actress. Mm. Keep match. I actually Can't. could see that in my, in my mind's eye, I could see a young Sigourney Weaver as Elaine. It's a different part. Yeah, it'd be because de- Sigourney has that steel. Because Julie Haggerty is just that is so who, that's who she is. She's so, so sweet. sweet. Yeah, yeah. She has that voice. We have a little bit that they've set up over a long period of time of of Roger, Victor, and over. Oh my God, Roger, huh? L.A. departure frequency one two three point nine. Roger, huh? Request vector over. What? Flight two zero nine clear for vector three two four. We have clearance, Clarence. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Roger, Roger. What's your vector, Victor? Huh? Huh? <laughs> Come on, Giant, you're laughing. We got you, buddy. We got you. <laughs> well, Captain Over is making an announcement. We see that there's a young kid, and he's reading. Or we see that there's a nun reading Boy's Life and a kid reading Nun's Life, <laughs> which apparently they had to get someone to go surfing in a nun's outfit <laughs> to get, uh, in order to have the gag. That wasn't, that wasn't just like Photoshop? No, because there is no Photoshop. Oh, that's right. It's 1980. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is this is a joke. I'll tell this joke as the Jewish one in the room. Is they're handing someone a, a big magazine. So like, do you have anything light? Well, we have this pamphlet on world's greatest Jewish athletes. That was my first laugh. Sorry, that was my first. Laugh. <laughs> I, I, as the other Jew in the room, oh, you are I Jewish. thought that was, was funny. That was, okay. and, but I did turn to my mom and I Leave said, me. I don't get the joke. <laughs> and she just said, there aren't any Jewish athletes. She didn't say, Sandy Koufax. <laughs> And Ted, of course, tries to talk to Elaine, but it doesn't work. Right. Um, and he sits down next to this very lovely older woman, and she says, No wonder you're upset. She's lovely. And a darling figure. Supple, pouting breasts. Firm thighs. It's a shame you two don't get long. <laughs> Thanks a lot, lady. <laughs> Well, one of the things that for most of the movie, the key to the humor is that nobody reacts. Yeah. Nobody goes. That was a strange thing for this woman to say. Um, And he says things used to be different. And she nods and she turns back to her book. And then he keeps talking in her look. Yeah. She's like, oh, shit. Which, by the way, that's me on almost if any stranger on a flight wants to talk to me. It's like I have my I have my phone. Right. I don't I have my headphones are in headphones are in. Oh, I don't want to talk. Yeah, to don't you. talk to me. Yep. I'm a, if I'm on a plane and someone starts talking to me, I try to pretend like I'm really into the the, the crappy magazine that I'm reading. Best three hundred dollars I ever spent two years ago were the Bose. Oh, those headphones. things are. Karen has a pair. They're, They're awesome. You don't hear a thing, and people know to not talk. To leave you alone. Yep. <laughs> at work, I wear them at work, and people have to wave their hands in my face. You wear them at work? Oh yeah, to write and do what I do at work at Collider. Yeah, people have to wave their hands in my face. Well, you're sitting out in the open. To. It's so distracting. It is. How the hell do you get it freaking work done? It is. That's why I bought. That's why yeah, I use. Yeah. Good thinking. Yeah. Um, and that's a twist. The joke is a twist because you're just the old lady talking your ear off. Exactly. So I like that twist of the joke. So uh, and he, we go into a flashback, 
and we go back to <laughs> war yeah. where he was stationed on Drambui, <laughs> Barbary Coast. And we go into this flashback of this bar <laughs> that is the classic. Yeah. I don't even know what era this thing is supposed I, to be. When is that supposed to be? Well, that's what's so great is that <laughs> it feels like. I don't know if it's you know World War II in the South Pacific or no what idea. A, it ain't no Vietnam, idea. that's for sure. It's definitely not Vietnam, and he's wearing the you know dress whites. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> well, before we get to that, and then there's like the the long legged woman on the bar, and with the camera pans up, but she's playing the trombone, which is a great joke. Mm-hmm. And then he's we're hearing in his voiceover that a fight breaks out every night, and we cut to these two Girl Scouts. Yeah. Well, we can, we with see them tails. gambling, yeah. and like one of them is cheating, and then the camera pulls back, and we see their Girl Scouts, and they have a knockdown drag out. <laughs> and it keeps going, it and goes going and, and goes, <laughs> and um, I wonder if that's the first uh, stunt two stunt women fight ever like documented on screen that it's two women fighting in stuff that is a great question that's that's exactly what occurred to me when i was watching i was like this is unintentionally groundbreaking you know i i i'm sure that there have been women fight because there was like the perils of pauline and there's you know but but in terms of like this kind of a knockdown right choreographed yeah yeah um, and then, of course, they in the fight bump into the jukebox. <laughs> the jukebox starts playing. If you call it, if staying you, alive, if you, staying alive. If you call getting your head thrown to a jukebox, bumping into a jukebox. That is what true. I call it. <laughs> so, staying alive starts playing, and this guy, this like total loser guy, just starts dancing. And, and he starts dancing yep. with Julie Haggerty and someone stabs him in the back <laughs> and and he's like, you know, like dying and he's like trying to make a motion like, oh, like there's a knife in my back. And Julie Haggerty is like just sort of <laughs> just mimicking his dance yeah. moves. No idea. Just so lovely, totally naive and, and sweet. No idea what's going on. By the way, that dude has such a big padded hump on his back. <laughs> yeah, he does. Before he gets stabbed. <laughs> and, the, and at the same time, uh, of course, uh, Ted is watching this and we're hearing his voiceover. I didn't come there to fall in love that night. Playing yeah. totally straight. Totally straight. I was captivated, entranced. It hit me like a thunderbolt. I had to ask the guy next to me to pinch me to make sure I wasn't dreaming. <laughs> the look from the dirty guy, like, what? what? Like, get out of my face. And then the guy gets stabbed, and so Ted's going to go out and dance, so he throws his hat away. Someone throws it back. <laughs> hat comes back. <laughs> and then they go into some choreography that is full disco, including like them on wires mm-hmm. and doing these massive flips. They do the classic. Te- she picks Ted up, is spinning him around, flips him away. The, the stuntman <laughs> goes behind some people, and a moment later... Robert Hayes pops out, you know, just classic cheesy stuff. And he, there's even the moment where he takes off his jacket and now he's in the full John Travolta yeah. Saturday Night Fever, throws his jacket away, hits him in <laughs> Someone throws it back. <laughs> and then he does what I could only explain, describe as a PowerPoint that sounds like gunfire goes off yeah, right. when he points. <laughs> and then he's doing like, you know, Russian steps and juggling and it becomes really ridiculous. And That's then it, the silly part, John. Yeah, yeah. that I was laughing at. <laughs> <laughs> it's really silly. And then we're back to like a slow dance, and what's going on in the middle of the slow dance? Those Girl Scouts are still fighting. Still fighting. <laughs> ah, ah! <laughs> and then we, as you do in a flashback, 
you come back to Ted sitting on the plane and he says, I hope this hasn't been boring you. And the camera pulls back. It pulls back. There are two feet floating next to him because they all hung herself. She hung herself. Yeah. <laughs> <That> was... <laughs> I think Mads and I are just going to. Which becomes a running gag. That is a running gag. <laughs> they would rather die than hear him keep going. And now Joey, the kid, uh, is talking to the stewardess, to Elaine, and says, hey, can I see the cockpit? <laughs> and they go, sure, I don't see what problem this is going to be. Um, and uh, the stewardesses are taking orders, and we hear that we have a choice of fish and steak. She takes orders from the Jive guys. Would you gentlemen care to order your dinners? Bet, babe, slide a piece of the pole to drink, so I run the job. Look at here. I can take grease and chomp it on some butter and drag it through the garden. <laughs> and i love the sort of look i'm always kind of like how did she give them the right things no, she has no answer, idea what they're saying i love that look on her face like okay and then our kid in the suit who we'd seen earlier we get the line that you brought up he brings the other little girl some coffee this is so great excuse me i happen to be passing i thought you'd might like some coffee oh that's very nice of you thank you i want you to sit down thank you Cream? No, thank you. I take it black. Like my man. <laughs> and his look. His look is on his face. His look isn't, it isn't like big wide-eyed look. It's a slow understanding of like, what the fuck? <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> and now Elaine is watching Ted, who's obviously talking to another man and telling his story. And Elaine has a flashback. Mm-hmm. And we go to the beach. We go to the beach. This is, a, this is the moment that is inspired by From Here to Eternity. And... This this moment was actually filmed on Zuma Beach, oh, uh, which the exact same place where Charlton Heston oh, wow. discovers the Statue of Liberty in 1968's uh-huh. Planet of the Apes. Oh. So Zucker, Zucker, and Abrams say they never even saw From Here to Eternity. Oh, wow. What? But what I actually wonder is, it was. I think that From Here to Eternity shot was in that same montage you were talking about with the plane going through the glass and the explosion of the Death Star mm-hmm. and the, like, I'd seen that montage long before I ever saw from so maybe they saw the scene but not the whole film by the way if you watch that watch Julie Haggerty in this scene it is so brutal I bet she felt like she was gonna die I mean she's on her back and water and you look at there's moments yeah. where you look at her face and you're like oh my god say cut <laughs> she's in trouble they're drowning <laughs> oh no it's terrible yeah and by the way so the shots you know we have the shot as we go into close-ups and we're looking down at julie haggerty and up at robert hayes and they're covered with seaweed <laughs> they're covered in seaweed <laughs> there's a dead fish behind them <laughs> robert hayes is actually on like an eight foot tall platform because you can't have the camera just looking up and you need some right, space right. particularly for the lens you're using too. yeah so he's eight feet off the ground <laughs> looking down at, at julie haggerty lying on the sand way below him but dripping wet with seaweed Dri- hanging dripping around. wet with seaweed <laughs> yeah. and, and there's another joke where he goes my orders came through my squadron ships out tomorrow we're bombing the storage depots at daiquiri at 1800 hours we're coming in from the north below their radar when will you be back I can't tell you that. It's classified. I can't tell you. It's classified. <laughs> um, and we and now Elaine back on the plane brings Joey into the cockpit. Oh, this is a great scene. Come on. This is a fantastic scene. And Peter Graves hands him the toy like, hey, Joey, you ever been in a cockpit before? <laughs> There's a pause. You ever seen a grown man naked? All right. Now, this particular scene 
where he's saying all these things to Joey. Like, you, you like gladiator movies? You ever hang you ever, around the gymnasium? You ever, you ever been to a Turkish prison? <laughs> there was a line where Captain Over says, have you ever seen a grown man's cock? That was a line. Wow. And it was cut. Good. Thank God. Good. Yeah, even by today's standards. Yeah. So, so saying that to a little kid is a bit much. Here's a story Peter Graves told. So Peter Graves was very scared of this, as he should be, because he, you know, the star of Mission Impossible and an actor who's been around is now essentially playing a pedophile. And that's the joke. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think we can get around, like, the joke is that this nice Captain Over likes little boys. So then uh, the movie has a screening at the DGA before it opens, and Peter Graves is going, I'm not going to go. Uh, the movie's going to be terrible. Mm-hmm. It's an embarrassment. I should never have done it. This is a big mistake. And finally, they convince him to go. And it is a huge hit. Everyone is laughing. And his response to this, by the way, is like, oh, I guess I am funny, which is actually not, <laughs> not the correct right. conclusion exactly. because you were just playing it straight. So then he really enjoyed the fact that everybody, everywhere he went, he's going to an airport, people, oh, Captain Over, and they would make this joke and they would make this joke. And people would walk up to him and say, have you ever seen a grown man naked? <laughs> you know? And he thought that was great. Horrified. I'd be horrified if people So, So here's the story that he told. And I just... I don't think this story came off the way he meant to, to come off. It was on a video I saw, and he said, so I'm at a grocery store, and there's a mom and her little 9-year-old, 10-year-old kid, whatever, and the kid is just staring at me. And, you know, in the way that you know as an actor, like somebody's recognized you. And so the kid is just keeps looking at it, keeps looking at it, and then he finally walks up to the kid and says, um, <laughs> have you ever been in a Turkish prison? And the mom hears this, oh. and looks at him, grabs the kid, and runs out of the grocery store. Oh, no. And he goes, so you see, people love this movie all over the, the world. And I'm like, no, I think you just freaked <laughs> out a mom with your kid. She thought you were a pedophile. Oh, my God. Peter Graves. Yeah. You know, he's the host of A&E, remember? He was yeah, the host of A&E sure. for all those years. So, and the other thing that happens is that as, as, as Captain Over is asking these inappropriate questions to Joey, Joey is looking over at Kareem, Kareem and saying, hey, you're Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I'm sorry, son, but you must have me confused with someone else. My name is Roger Murdoch. I'm the co-pilot. He's like, no, my dad has season tickets to the Lakers games. He sees you. I've seen you all the time. You know, he, he says you're pretty lazy. <laughs> says you don't hustle on defense. Sorry, don't he, hustle on you defense. Can see, you can see Kareem is starting yeah. to get annoyed. He's starting to get frustrated. He gets uncomfortable <laughs> in the seat. And, yeah. he, and then he like grabs, grabs him by the scruff of his shirt. Listen, kid. I've been hearing that crap ever since I was at UCLA. I'm out there busting my buns every night. Tell your old man to drag Walton in the near up and down the court for 48 minutes. But again, this kid, just like he gave the stare to the girl yeah. with the coffee. So he, the camera stays on him after, after Kareem lets him go. And he just has this look, this horrified yeah. look on his face. And the camera stays on him for like four seconds, yeah. which is like a long time. <laughs> and he just like, it looking like totally terrified. Who was that kid? Who played that kid? I don't have his name here, mm. but he, he apparently, he still gets recognized for this. <laughs> yeah. To this day. Wow. Yeah. Wow. As, as that, as that kid. Um, Ted is now talking to Elaine and Elaine now says, I remember everything. And this line that she says is entirely from Zero Hour, word for word, except for one part. You try to guess which part's not in Zero Hour. Mostly I remember the nights when we were together. I remember how you used to hold me. 
how I used to sit on your face and wriggle, and afterwards how we'd watch till the sun came up. I'm going to say setting your face and wiggle. <laughs> that is the law. Other than that, it's word for word for <laughs> Zero Hour. Okay, see, I want to watch Zero Hour. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got to find that baby now. Um, and she leaves him, and now we have more flashbacks that are growing more ri- ridiculous, and we end up at a flashback to the hospital. <laughs> I love the sign outside the hospital that says, Visa, MasterCard, Pentothal available. <laughs> And we get a, we, he's, and Ted are, is in bed and she's with him. We got a telegram from headquarters um, that he's totally cleared What's from that? blame. What's headquarters? <laughs> well, it's a big building where generals meet, but that's not important right now. Uh, but that's the, not important right now. But that's not important right now. <laughs> it's a big building with, with military people. Thank that's you. not I important almost, right now. I almost rolled over the joke. Yeah. Thank you for, I was just reading my notes. We're, and we're getting All to right. this, and we're getting to my second favorite moment in the, the movie. This is, this is the part where we, where you and I realize that John is in on this joke this entire time. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, he's painting. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we see the painting that he's working on. This guy it's, with a baby and his like his, his leg is over his, his neck. <laughs> and then as he continues to do this, we hear, "Hey, striker, how about a break?" And he goes, "Okay." We cut to and he has a model yeah, of a model. dude with a baby. Perfect. Like, Thanks. <laughs> um, this is also where 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 uh, Elaine Julie Haggard starts looking at some of the other other patients. Yeah, and then you hear someone moaning, "Oh." Oh, and and then Stryker says, "Oh yeah, uh, he thinks he's Ethel Merman." You'll be swell. You'll be great. Gonna have the whole world on a plate. Starting here, start now, honey. Everything's coming up Okay, that scene was Ethel Merman's final on-screen yep. performance yep. before she died in 1984. It was an airplane. Uh, it's my second favorite moment in the movie. Did you laugh? I laughed my nuts off because <laughs> because I am of that age where I remember Ethel. Yeah. And Ethel had, was was royalty. I used to watch her on variety shows growing up as a kid. So to, I I forgot that she was in the movie. She showed up with her own entourage. Of course. Her hair. It's Ethel. Yes. When yeah. she comes out of the bed and she's, yo, merit. It's just the way she commands the scene, yeah. even at that age, I was just like so fan. And then when they put, and then she plays it so well because when they put her in the bed, she goes, "Everything's coming around." No, she's great. It's so perfect. And the other important thing we find out in this scene <laughs> is that uh, he, Ted says something about oh, you know five men were killed, and she says, "Oh six. George Zip died this morning." George Zip. George, George Zip. Zip. Back on the plane, uh, Randy, the other stewardess, offers some coffee, and she says, "Oh, I'll have a cup, but Jim won't." And then he says, no, I think I will have a cup. Jim never has a second cup of coffee at home. This joke is very from an era. Very dated. Yeah, those coffee commercials. I still remember those coffee commercials. But people listening... We, most people listening to this uh, this podcast of the cinephiles will probably not get that joke. Um, one thing we haven't mentioned is the little girl that's on the plane because she's going to have a heart transplant. Right. And this is Jill. No, I don't have her name. Jill Whelan from the Love Boat. From yeah, the Love Boat. The Love Boat. Vicky from the Love Boat. Granddaughter. Daughter. 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 Really? Captain yeah. Stooping had a daughter. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like Captain. I just thought Captain Stooping was older than son. He's having kids till he was seventy or eighty. I'm sure <laughs> when you're a captain. Damn. That's gets around. Captain Stooping gets around. Um and. Uh, Randy, our stewardess, asked to borrow the uh, guitar from a nun. Originally, they were going to have the nun sing, but because it was at Paramount and they had the singing nun, they didn't want to do that. You know who the nun is? No. Maureen McGovern, who can actually sing <laughs> and had hits in the 70s and wow. 80s 
with her soft rock music. Well, the flight attendant, I mean, they called her stewardess. They called them stewardesses back in the yes. day. But somewhere along the line, stewardess became a politically incorrect term. Mm, so true. now they're referred to as flight attendants. Mm-hmm. But that uh, uh, that was Randy, played by Lorna Patterson. Lorna Patterson. And I remember thinking, wow, she even, even as an 11-year-old, thinking, wow, she is really hot. And about a year after Airplane came out, she played Private Benjamin in the TV version, oh. uh, the TV series mm-hmm. based on the movie that originally starred Goldie Hawn, which also came out in 1980. And uh, Lorna Patterson played Private Benjamin on that show for I two totally years. I totally remember watching yep. it. Yep. yep. I remember loving that movie. I haven't seen that. Uh, Private Pri- Benjamin is a good movie. It's yeah. still a good yeah, movie. Goldie, one of Goldie Hawn's best performances. Still holds up too, yeah. So Lorna Patterson, this is her audition process. She comes in, they really like her, and they go, oh no, um, we forgot to ask if you can sing. Do you, do you know if you, can, can you sing? And she says, yeah, I'm a singer. And they go, really, do you have any? She's like, well, I was going to this other thing and I have my backup tape, like tape with the music mm. for me to sing to. If you have a, a tape player, we can put it in and then I can sing. And they go, we don't, and they had just so crappy office that she <laughs> described as like a dorm room. And they go, well, we, I don't, we don't have a tape here. And then, and one of the Zucker brothers, I don't remember which one says, I got a tape deck in my Volvo. And so they go out of the office, go to the parking lot. The three directors get in the front seat. <laughs> she gets in the back seat. They put the tape deck in and in the Volvo, she sings. And that is her audition. Wow. For this movie. Well, the song that she sings on the plane is River of Jordan. I traveled the banks of the River of Jordan to find where it flows to the sea. But while she's playing with the guitar, she knocks the IV out of the out of the girl's arms. And everybody's ready on the plane is so into the song and having so much fun singing along with the song that they're completely oblivious to the fact that the girl is dying because the, the IV was knocked out of her arm. And again, I thought this was so funny, oh, yeah. particularly the fish face when she makes the yeah, fish face. Yeah, she makes the fish face. <laughs> the song is by Peter Yarrow of Peter, Paul, and Mary. Oh. And they had heard it somewhere and they got the rights to the song, but he didn't know anything about the kind of movie it was in. Apparently, he had written this song as a uh, a spiritual, important thing for a friend's wedding. And this is a deal. This is folk singer guy. And when he saw this movie, he was mortified <laughs> and furious. No way. Yeah, because they took his important song about God and love and all these things that they had. And they crapped all over it. They did. Well, yes and no, because everyone is singing along together as no, one. True. Well, And the montage of all the yeah. looks during this song are also hilarious. Happy. Yeah. Uh, in the cockpit, they're getting their their dinner, and uh, Ted is telling uh, his story now to a Japanese colonel, played by James Hong. James Hong. That is David Lopan himself. Yep. And and he played. Uh, he was in Blade Runner. He's been uh, right. very tons famous character. Tons of stuff. Yeah. Tons and tons of stuff. Um, and he talks about their experiences in the Peace Corps. And we have. He's wearing his Japanese uniform from World War II <laughs> because it's a war. <laughs> yeah. Even then, it doesn't make sense. Even in 1957, and then we have you know him introducing himself to the natives in yeah. Africa somewhere, and then uh, her at a Tupperware party with elephants going by in the background, and him teaching these guys basketball, basketball. which they pick up strangely quickly. This is <laughs> fascinatingly prescient for the eight, for 1980. We did not have African players in the NBA who came over from Africa mm. to play. In the late 80s, that started to become a thing. With, oh, wow. Yeah, with uh, 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 Hakeem Olajuwon, Dikembe Mutombo, all these people coming from yeah, they're Africa. they're all shooting. They're all shooting. Become, getting, yeah. Getting right in the... It was you know. so funny. <laughs> um, I was like, I was watching this going, oh my God, this is so prescient for 1980. 
I, for years as a kid, was convinced that this was they had gotten the Harlem Globetrotters. It's, it's not. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. it's not at all. It's because they're all shooting it all. They're all getting it all in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It shows oh. what I knew. Um, and now there's this woman who's getting sick, and her description is, I haven't felt this bad since that you know, Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan movie. <laughs> uh, we asked to find a doctor, and this joke, I love this joke, is they're walking down, do you know a doctor? And someone says, stewardess. I think this the man, man next to me is a doctor. doctor. And you cut to Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen. With a stethoscope Nielsen. on. With the stethoscope <laughs> while he's sleeping. Dr. Rumack. Yeah, do we actually ever hear him refer to by his name? Uh, I think they do later on, yeah. Okay, so so Leslie Nielsen, up to that point, you know, he was famous for the Poseidon Adventure. He was famous for right. Forbidden Planet. And in one fell swoop, talk about a late career reinvention. What Airplane did to Leslie Nielsen, yeah. it yeah. gave him a whole a whole other career for the second half of his life. Yeah. Because after Airplane, he did Police Squad on TV. He did the Naked Gun movies. He did all those spoofs of, mm-hmm. you know, what was the fug- spoof of The Fugitive, Wrongly Accused. Yeah. Uh, spy Hard. Yeah, Spy Hard. Yeah. And with the exception of the first Naked Gun movie. Oh, and Dracula Dead and nothing, Loving It. Yeah, right? Dracula Dead and Loving It, the Mel, Mel Brooks movie. Yeah, right. uh, with the exception of the first Naked Gun movie. And then they could go and the police squad TV show, which was on for six episodes. Uh, nothing Leslie Nielsen did matched just how great he was, joke for joke, in Airplane. And he plays his character in Airplane just as straight as he played the ship captain in the Poseidon Adventure. Mm. But the comedy is hilarious because of his delivery. So here's something they said: is they they have the first table read. And Leslie Nielsen's pretty desperate career-wise at this point because he's like, it's, it's getting over for me, you know? And they do the first table read, and he wasn't that funny. And they said his tone was just not right. And so their solution was they gave him the VHS tape of Zero Hour. He <laughs> took it home. He watched it that night. He came back. He's like, got, got it. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, by the way, they had the VHS tape and a VCR uh, and a TV on the set. And if you look, you could see comparisons. It is shot for shot. Wow. Like, because, and it's just simple. It's like they set up a shot and they, it's not, there's not a lot of coverage. They're not editing a lot. It's like we're in a two shot and it's just the framing <laughs> is the same. The doctor. He's sitting there with a stethoscope. He goes, I'm a doctor. And the exam is that he comes up and does this magic trick. He's like, there are eggs coming out of her mouth and yeah. then another one. And then I love it too. He reaches out and someone hands him a, an instrument. Yeah. And then he hands his hands. You know, like, yeah, just like in a, in a, in in a, a OR. Yeah. yeah. And then he breaks the egg and has this reaction of, like, as the bird flies away. All right. Now, this is where he pulls Elaine aside, and we have one of the great, the great, the great conversations. This woman has to be gotten to a hospital. A hospital? What is it? It's a big building with patients, but that's not important right now. But that's not important right now. (laughs) Come on. It's hilarious. Um, th- I mean, these jokes were, I mean, because because this is the thing, too. This is a style of comedy that hadn't been done. Yeah. Like just the, and as you say, they are dad jokes. A lot of them are just silly wordplay um, up, up, up at the cockpit. Uh, the navigator goes out and Captain Over ju- jumps up and says, OK, Roger, you take over who started to sweat. And this conversation between Over and the doctor is fantastic. Captain, how soon can you land? I can't tell. You can tell me I'm a doctor. No, I mean, I'm just not sure. Or can't you take a guess? Well, not for another two hours. 
You can't take a guess for another two hours. <laughs> I, I mean, that's like who's on first level right. of good comic wordplay. And then we hit some turbulence, and there's <laughs> apparently the woman, the man that Randy uh, hits in the face with the plate of food, mm. he was the asshole of the extras. <laughs> she hit him on purpose. Oh! <laughs> apparently. Wow. Oh, way to go, Lorna. And then we're back in the cockpit, and they pull a Kareem out of the chair, and what does he have? He's wearing his goggles, <laughs> shorts, shorts <laughs> knee pads. <laughs> That's just a great joke. So this is where uh, Captain Over takes the seat again. Um, and asks what's wrong. He says, uh, and, and the doctor says, I'm not sure. I haven't seen anything like this since the Anita Bryant concert, <laughs> which, again, is a joke that no one today will get. Right, right, right. Um, but for those of you who don't know, she is one of, she is a singer, but a woman who was radically against gay rights in the late 70s mm -hmm. and early 80s. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Remember that? That's right. Yeah. This is also a scene. I think it's the scene where he starts asking, where he asks uh, Elaine uh, about what, what the, the uh, passengers had for dinner. Well, we had a choice, steak, fish. Yes, yes, I remember. I had lasagna. <laughs> and as they're dragging the bodies through the aisle, Over's making an announcement. On your left, you can see Hoover Dam. Oh. On your right, the great, and everyone just looks away. <laughs> and they start talking about, look, everybody we've talked to has had fish. And Nielsen says, all the people who've had fish tonight are going to get sick. And Over looks down right next to him. <laughs> a fish. A fish skeleton. Not just... You know, like like who, 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 like 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 a whole fish, yeah, a whole fish skeleton, so that you know, watching this movie, yeah. that he had fish. And I think the combo of Leslie Nielsen's mono, uh, monologue about the symptom, symptoms and Peter Graves' oh, yeah. reactions are fantastic. <laughs> yes, brilliant. Starts with a slight fever, dryness of the throat. As the virus penetrates the red blood cells, the victim becomes dizzy, begins to experience an itching, a rash. From there, the poison goes to work on the central nervous system, causing severe muscle spasms, followed by the inevitable grueling. This is, I remember, I remember the scene specifically, <laughs> because like he starts talking about spasms, and Peter Graves is starting to like, you know, have spasms, yeah. and he like, you know, throws up a little bit on his shirt, <laughs> and then he goes, uh, uncontrollable flatulence, like, yeah. Until finally the poor bastard is reduced to a quivering, wasted piece of jelly. <laughs> Apparently, Leslie Nielsen had a little fart gimmick that he liked to carry around and fart at people. How you doing? <laughs> he would do this all the time. And in the interviews on the Blu-ray, he has it and uses oh. it. <laughs> How funny. Really funny. Um, That's great. And now, they, and now he starts to collapse and the plane starts going down and we cut, have the cut, which this joke for my 11-year-old self was hilarious. Camera moves from bouncing jello to bouncing boobs. Yep. That is the level of my sense of humor in 1980. I think that's who they made it for. Uh, they did. Uh, they made it perfectly for me. Yeah. And just as they're pulling Captain Over out, he says, automatic pilot. Oh, this is when we are introduced to Otto. Otto. <laughs> the automatic pilot is literally an automatic pilot, a big balloon so painted cool. and drawn like a pilot. Whoever drew this understood the movie. Yeah. Because that just like stupid happy. grin on his face, happy, yeah, like, whatever. 
and the size of him it just works so brilliantly uh-huh. and yeah, exactly there we go there's... I mean look that's how brilliant it is you like movies about gladiators <laughs> <laughs> and, we, and we cut to and we get a call on the radio from Steve McCroskey in Chicago Lloyd Bridges Lloyd Bridges, Lloyd Bridges. I mean so the, the interesting thing is that this movie I mean uh, having not seen Zero Hour the way when that happens when it cuts to uh, the air traffic control in Chicago it turns into a different film. Mm. It's still a spoof. It's still a comedy. But the tone of it, like like you, you're, you're introduced, this is now the halfway point of the movie, and you're introduced to all these new characters yeah. that, that feel like they were a part of the movie the entire time because they're so memorable and fully realized. I mean, obviously, I mean, you have, you have uh, uh, Lloyd Bridges as a... Uh, McCluskey, McCroskey, uh, uh, you have Johnny. Steven Stucker, I think. Steven Stucker, Johnny, uh, who improvised and ad-libbed all of his, all of his lines. Is that the, the supposedly the gay, gay? Yes. Well, he never says gay. No, he never says he's gay. They but... get away with it by never saying that he's gay. So he was a buddies of theirs from the Kentucky Fried Theater oh, in wow. Madison. And what they said when they hired him, he's the only person they did this with, is all they did was give him the straight lines. And they said, you come up with, because they said, we can't come up with the things you'll come up with. <laughs> and this is all stuff that he made up. Some on the set, some beforehand. Yeah. For instance, um, how about some coffee, Johnny? Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's giving out these orders and two, for some reason, two guys who are Siamese twins. And he gives them different instructions and they try to go in different directions. <laughs> it's like I picked the wrong week for smoking. Lloyd Bridges, another actor, <clears throat> serious actor. Yeah. Yep. You know, he was uh, Mike Nelson and Sea Hunt. Yep. And after this film, he he also had a uh, a, a, resurgence. a career yeah. of resurgence, yeah. much like Leslie Nielsen. Remember Hot Shots and yep. Hot Shots Part Two. Uh, you know, Lloyd Bridges is funny. He is in this. Re- I mean, like in this. Apparently, Robert Stack several times turned to Lloyd Bridges and went, "Is this supposed to be funny? <laughs> is this supposed to be a joke?" And Lloyd turned back to him and said. We're the joke, <laughs> which is true. It's true. Is this supposed to be funny? And Elaine is now sitting in the pilot seat with Otto, the automatic pilot, and the co-pilot seat, and she's given re- readings of airspeed and altitude, and the altitude's going down. It's going down. No, it's dropping. It's dropping fast. Why is it doing that? Oh my God! The automatic pilot—it's deflating. And we could see Otto deflating. The, the air is going out of him. <laughs> and they go, oh, well, you're going to have to do the manual inflation just under his belt, his tab. <laughs> and she bends over towards this inflatable. Blowing him. Yep. <laughs> okay. Another 11-year-old moment. I I'm sure. To my mom. I said, I don't get it. <laughs> Why is Otto smiling? <laughs> Why is this doll smiling? He turns to the camera. He's got a smile on his face. And then, what is it? Uh, a striker comes back in and he sees. No, no. no. The doctor comes oh, in, the- walks in, opens the door, sees her giving him a blowjob, essentially, closes the door. And then Leslie Nielsen's take is just, he might have the best take. Oh, yeah. Like since Jack Benny. Like, like just, the, just that look of what did I just see? Yeah. And then a moment later, after he's inflated, we we uh, we see that they're both sitting there and she's smoking a cigarette. They're both smoking a cigarette. <laughs> oh, he's smoking a cigarette yes, too? Yes, that's awesome. what's so insane. He's, a, he's What the fuck is he smoking a cigarette? Doctor comes in and says, can you face some unpleasant facts? No. All right. Unless I get all those people to a hospital quickly, I can't even be sure of saving their lives. 
Now, is there anyone on board who can land this plane? All this dialogue, again, zero hour. Yeah. It's all out of zero hour, uh, including this line. This line is word for word in zero hour. I think you ought to know what our chances are. The life of everyone on board depends upon just one thing. Finding someone back there not only can fly this plane. But who didn't have fish for dinner. That is from Zero Hour. And that is the line. The li- that line is the reason this movie exists. <laughs> They're watching this movie. When they got to that line, they thought that was the funniest thing in the world. Oh my God. <laughs> um, and as now they're dragging the pilot out, the stewardess says, Ladies and gentlemen, this is your stewardess speaking. We regret any inconvenience the sudden cabin movement might have caused. This is due to periodic air pockets we encountered. There's no reason to become alarmed, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your flight. By the way, is there anyone on board who knows how to fly a plane? <laughs> So everybody starts, okay, another 11-year-old moment. Yes. Okay, everybody, all the passengers start freaking out. And then for about three seconds- Randomly. A topless woman- <laughs> Just bounces in front of the- Bounces in front of the couch. Just for no you reason know, at all. And her boobs are, are jiggling. And she like stands there for a second. And then leaves. <laughs> like, what the hell is going on on this I plane? thought it was a gift directly to me. Yeah, but, <laughs> and, but I'm watching this movie and- you know, trivia for 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 movie Nance. That was the first time I saw bre- uh, uh, boobies in a movie. <laughs> that well, was it. Go. I had, seen, I had seen Animal House, right. so I saw Animal House on Showtime or something oh, okay. right before this. So this okay. was, these were my second. Um, <laughs> fucker, fucker. <laughs> um, uh, and then uh, and the other uh, panic stuff is great too. The Krishna's fighting and there's sword fighting. I mean, there's all sorts of crazy things that are going on. A Mustang. Isn't there, isn't there a, 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 like a lights like certain rows don't do this, the other rows don't have sex? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that comes too, up too. With the panic thing, yeah. crash position. Yeah, oh, what crash. I didn't say long time ago, but you had the the sign says no smoking, no smoke a you. Yeah, the Italian thing. <laughs> a Mustang pulls up at a house to pick up uh, Captain Kramer. That is Robert Hayes's Mustang. He oh. got paid thirty five dollars a day for the use of that car. Nice. Yeah, and there is a. There's a gag in this scene. As he goes inside, this young guy gets attacked by the dog, <laughs> and Robert Stack comes downstairs. There is a mirror gag, which is that he, he yeah. comes downstairs and is is fixing himself in the mirror. Well, in the background, we see the guy getting mauled by the dog, and then you cut to the guy getting mauled by the dog, and you cut back, and Robert Stack steps through what had been a mirror uh, because there is no mirror anymore. Yeah. And they worked really hard on this. Nobody ever laughed, and and if you want, and because it, it's because a lot of people, I had to, you know, you kind of you either see it or you don't, yeah. and mostly you kind of go, did something weird happen? It feels like something weird happened. Um, so when they did Top Secret, they did a massive mirror gag <laughs> to prove that this was funny, you know? Wow. Um, but it doesn't quite play here. Um, so Robert Stack. They wanted Robert Stack to do the part, and he's another buddy of Howard Koch's. But what they really wanted, do you remember John Biner, the comedian? Mm. So he had the TV show Bizarre, and he was an impressionist, and, and, and not a terribly famous one, but he did the Ed Sullivan show and stuff like that. He did an impression of Robert Stack. When Robert Stack came in, they say that this is true. They didn't like his performance because they really wanted John Biner's impression of Robert Stack. <laughs> so they showed Robert Stack, John Biner, doing an impression of him. And he went, 
oh, I got it. <laughs> and then he did an impression of John Biner's impression of himself. Oh, and wow. And that is his That's performance fantastic. in the movie. That's what they say. Kudos to all these uh, established actors being willing to, tr- to, to, to get it. Yeah, to get it. To like, do they this. didn't get it. Yeah. And then, like, you know, whether it's uh, somebody watching Zero Hour, you know, come back going, okay, yeah. I got it. Uh, but that's a testament to yep. to the talent, like, and the commitment of these actors yeah. that they wanted to figure it out. <laughs> or that they just wanted the gig. and Because a lot of them say they didn't really know what the hell was going on. Right. You know, because because the, the, what's so weird about this movie is they're all playing it straight. Nobody's playing things for comedy. And the film was shot in, in 34 days, too. Yeah, so it yeah. wasn't like they had a lot of time to, you know, just like keep the production going for, for months. We come back to the plane. Oh, you know what I should have said is after we finished the last flashback, uh, our colonel, Japanese colonel committed ritual suicide. Harikai. And now we're back on the plane. He's speaking to an Indian man about uh, drainage or something who pours gasoline on himself and is holding a lit match <laughs> when Randy comes up to ask if he could fly a plane. Yeah. And the guy goes, hey, please go, go fly the plane, <laughs> blows out the match just as he goes away. There's still an explosion. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, he walks into the cockpit and does, and he's been told, oh, we need some help with the radio. And now actually sees that there's just the autopilot there. Um, and uh, Leslie Nielsen says, can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Now that is the classic airplane joke. The classic line. Number 79 on the AFI Top 100 Greatest Movie Quotes of All Time. Wow. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. Uh, This Blu-ray is the Don't Call Me Shirley edition. (laughs) Great, great line, and not the first time. Not the first time in the movie that we hear that line. Here's a joke I didn't get forever. I don't know why. I was just stupid, but I did not get it. It's an entirely different kind of flying altogether. It's an entirely different kind of flying. So the reason for that, like, it's entirely different kind of flying altogether. So, so okay, altogether now, altogether now, kind of flying. Yes, I, it, I probably had seen the movie twenty or thirty times where I went. Well, that's a joke where you go. It took a second, and they finally they say you're the only chance we got, and the music hits, and he looks at the instruments, and and this is a this pan across all the instruments is in zero hour, except in zero hour it's a few instruments, and this goes on. And on yeah. and on and on and on. I, I got to watch Zero Hour, like ASAP. <laughs> we have Rex Kramer driving in the Mustang in a process shot. And this is a process shot joke, you know, because they hit a guy with a bicycle and then it's going really you asshole. And then we have Indians in the background. Yeah. And yeah, so much <laughs> like they threw everything, including the kitchen sink into the making of this movie. Mm. I, there is no kitchen sink in this movie. Yeah. There should be. The shit does but hit the fan. there is a watermelon that falls yeah, out, exactly. of this, out of the tailing. <laughs> um, at one point, we're back in the cop book, and the, and the doctor says, everyone in this plane is in a desperate situation. Mr. Stryker is the only hope we've got. And the little Jesus statue in the front <laughs> covers its eyes. Uh, and he's looking around the controls. He goes, this must turn on the landing light. It wasn't the landing light. Huge shakes and panics. Mayday! Mayday! Mayday? What the hell is that? Mayday? Why, that's the Russian New Year. You know, we'll have a big parade and we'll serve hot or dirt. <laughs> I love oh, Johnny. Yeah. He, he stole the movie, really. Totally. Right? Totally. Everybody remembers him. It's a twister. It's a twister. And yet he didn't work that much. Yeah, he died in like 1986 or oh, something like he? that. Wow. He was, yeah, he, he was, yeah, I think he died of AIDS. Mm. Jesus. Woman starts to panic. Go oh, up to slap her. This is a great scene. Right out of zero hour. Really? Woman panics. They should none shakes her and slaps her. But an airplane, 
people are lined up. And yep. the great thing is, like, like after the nun slaps her, so Leslie Nielsen goes up, and he's, like, shaking her and snap out of it, and he slaps her. And then someone behind her is like, well, like... And Nielsen slaps her, and then walking away, gives her an extra one just for good measure. Well, he gives her... Right, but that's the great thing, is that, that when he's ready to walk away, and he gives her another slap, he really slapped her. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh my god oh, oh, we're gonna die. oh we're gonna die and then the camera pans back to a guy with a wrench and boxing gloves somebody with a gun yeah yeah see i didn't like this moment i gotta be honest with you oh like come it. on yeah. john it's violence against women man and you got all men lined up with varying oh, my, oh my god. worse oh, I'm worse ways to, to do this violence against a woman so i, I wasn't Oh, I didn't think it was a good joke nowadays, but I, I I remember probably laughing at it when i was younger well it's a funny thing it's like because it's the escalation the, of well them. the panic and the panic and you're out of control and need to be slapped is a cliche of old movies. Right. And so they're playing a joke on the cliche of old well, movies. Yeah. But well, th- well, this is the thing about this movie is like, okay, what's okay to joke about? Right. You right. know, um, personal taste, like always. I guess. Absolutely. Rex gets to the airport, and this is awesome because those religious guys that are offering flowers and this, he fights through all of them. That is funny. It's awesome. All him. And, and it's, it's all, all him. The flip the around flip. amazing. Yeah, it's great. You're like, what the what? We have a line of no frills passengers arriving now, and there are all these people coming down the luggage spinner. Um, um, there's a guy on the phone. I know, but this guy doing the flying has no airline experience at all. He's a menace to himself and everything else in the air. Yes, birds too. <laughs> just... And uh, uh, Rex comes in and takes off his glasses. There's another pair of glasses. Another pair of glasses. <laughs> I've only saw, I even didn't watch Airplane 2 very, I maybe saw it a few times. I saw it once, and it was only because of William Shatner. Um, oh, yeah, Shatner's in this, right? But they do the cardinal sin of comedy sequels, which is they just repeat all the jokes. And I remember that one being one of them. And as they're talking uh, about Ted, because he knows him from the war, a spear goes across and lands on the wall. No laugh. No, no. This is so. There are three or four things: the mirror joke, the spear, and the watermelon, mm. and also the throwing the cigarette out the window for the explosion. That the three directors thought were the funniest things in the world, and, and when they laugh, and nobody else. So they're in the test screenings, and they're in hysterics in the silent theater. Mm. Theaters are going nuts for I, everything I else. Watermelon falling from the ceiling was hilarious. They don't think they, they did not play. <laughs> it's like I took the wrong week to quit drinking. They get uh, Stryker on the radio, and Stryker immediately rec- uh, recognizes Kramer's voice. Let's not kid each other, Kramer. You know I've never flown a bucket like this. I'm going to need all the luck there is. And he kind of asks him, well, have you flown to this or that? No. And then uh, Kramer goes, well, there's no way this guy can land this thing. Well, still having the button on. We're going <laughs> to repeat that joke. And then he says, you listen, you listen close. Flying a plane is no different than riding a bicycle. Which is a line out of Zero Hour. Unbelievable. <laughs> but the you, it's really hard to put your baseball cards in the spokes is not a line in Zero Hour. Um, <laughs> zero Hour. I got to watch Zero Hour. We unlock we This unlock is an the unofficial cinephile on Zero Hour. That's, <laughs> what, that's all we're probably going to get. True. And the passengers start to get angry. Uh, Leslie Nielsen comes out and says... That everything's fine, and we watch his nose start to grow and grow. I love that he says, The other two pilots are just fine. They're at the controls flying the plane, free to pursue a life of religious fulfillment. <laughs> As his nose grows, the really long ones, yeah. that's just a broom handle. Oh, is it? They just pl- painted a broom handle flesh-colored and waved it in front of the camera. That's how they did that. It's not a lot of money on this movie. 
And he, we're back in the cockpit, and the from the control tower, they're saying, "Look, there's no reason you can't get out of this in one piece." And sitting behind them is now a vulture. <laughs> and now we get our jive guys, and one of them is really, really sick, and the stewardess can't talk to them. And up so comes stewardess. I speak jive. Oh, stewardess, I speak jive. Oh, good. So what we have to explain for our younger viewer, yeah. Is that the jive lady is Barbara Billingsley, mm-hmm. Mrs. Cleaver from Leave It to Beaver, yep. which I watched over and over and over again as a yeah, kid. Me too. And she, and the, apparently, I forget their names now, but our jive guys taught her how to say all these things. They thought she was great, and it is so funny. Would you tell him to just relax, and I'll be back as soon as I can with some medicine? Just hang loose, blood. She's going to catch up on the rebound on the med side. What it is, big mama? My mama didn't raise no dummies. I duck her rap. Chum don't want no help. Chum don't get no help. I was, I'm sorry, this scene still works for me. Because she's not saying it disrespectfully, right? She's legitimately speaking jive, going back and forth with them, and then gets upset when one of them like tries to count, tries to be ups, uh, be offended that she's saying what she's saying. She's saying, John don't want no help. John don't get no help. Jive ass dude don't got no brains anyhow. <laughs> so <laughs> perfect. Uh, they get a weather bulletin. We hand it to Johnny. Johnny, what can you make out of this? This? Well, I can make a cap or a brooch or pterodactyl. Um, I can make a plane. A hat. A little, brooch. A little, hat. <laughs> a little pterodactyl. <laughs> um, so we cut to Mrs. Over. <laughs> Captain Over's wife. Oh boy! Oh. <laughs> to wake her up. Oh. This joke I did not understand. What in the world? <laughs> Again, going back to eleven years oh, old. Okay, okay. I had no idea. What you guys meant. get it now. Though, Rewatching right? that movie now at fifty, it is still going like, what the hell? Yeah, is There's... she doing in bed with a freaking horse? <laughs> and they wake her up, and I love that she says, "Let yourself, Let out, yourself the out." There's juice in the refrigerator. Right. <laughs> so here's the thought that I had. This I'm gonna get it a little dark for a minute. Uh, this sure. is the thought that I had. Is only watching it last week. Yeah. Did I go? Wait, this is Captain Over's wife. Yeah. Captain Over is a pedophile. Is so that he is sleeping with little boys, right? Probably, and her only. Recourse is the horse. Sex with the horse. I mean, there's some. See, like, did they on purpose connect? I don't think so. Who I, came up with that? Who, I mean, there's who some thought of that? Shit. Because then what happens when she gets the? She's all over. Uh, yeah, Rex Kramer. Right. I mean, clearly, I don't know. It's a weird. She's, well, she's sex starved. Why wouldn't she's she be sex starved when she's with a pedophile? Because he's is not going to have sex with her. I mean, this is a really fucked up, dark yeah, thing to be talking about. I but. thought it was funny as shit. I'd like to see the horse in there and like the, uh, her. Yeah, what's well, juice in the fridge? <laughs> of course, because you know. Back in the cockpit, Ted Kramer has to concentrate, concentrate, concentrate. Hello. Hello. Echo, 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 pinch hitting for Pedro Borbon, Manny Mota, Mota, Mota. There's a gag where they try to turn on the air and it blows a lot of wind through everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just totally unnecessary. They call Chicago and say the passengers are beginning to panic. We better check the radar range. And we cut to this guy who is Gunderson or something. And they say, check the radar range. And it's a microwave with a turkey in it. It's about two more minutes, Chief. <laughs> Do you know who that guy is? No. That's 
Jonathan Banks. Yep, Jonathan Banks. <laughs> from uh, Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. And Better Call oh, Saul. And Better Call oh Saul. Oh my gosh, you're right. Yeah. Beverly Hills Cop. Right, Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, oh right. my gosh. That's right. Yeah, and he goes, what an asshole, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, He's got curly hair, curly 70s hair. Yep. They could be miles, of course. That's impossible. They're on instruments. Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. And some reporters come in and they're they're talking to uh, Lloyd and he hands them off to Johnny. They ask him about the plane. Oh, it's a big, pretty white plane with red stripes and curtains in the window and wheels. And it looks like a big Tylenol. And one of the microphones is an ice cream cone. (laughs) (laughs) And now we get the spinning newspapers of the, you know, plane going to crash and no hope for passengers. Boy trapped in refrigerator eats his own foot. <laughs> that kid is Howard Koch, the producer's grandson, and that is his second grade picture. Oh, wow. Uh, where apparently he cut his own hair, and he's very embarrassed that that picture has been immortalized. <laughs> and now we cut to the TV reporters, which we talked about a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. And the first one is just someone getting handed a bulletin, and there's a picture of the plane in the background, and the second one is Japanese, and they're handed a bulletin, and now it's a scroll of a plane. The third one is... I think this joke is funny. It might be offensive, but it's a guy drumming the news. Mm. And then someone hands him, rather than handing him a piece of paper, they hand him new drumsticks. <laughs> and I love the thing that sells the joke to me is that he's... Turns the camera. Exactly. Turns, turns to another camera. camera. B. Yeah. He's like, he's in camera A, and then he goes over to camera B. <laughs> <laughs> That's what makes the joke. It's the turn that makes Perfect it really good. Joke. Um, and then we get, which we talked about a long time ago, point counterpoint. Shana, they bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. Yeah. <laughs> I say, let them crash. <laughs> On the plane, a guy takes a swig out of a flask and offers it to the lady. That is in zero hour. Oh, how the funny. The herd say no thank you. And take it snorting cocaine? Not, not a, a zero. Not a zero. <laughs> um, I won't deceive you, Mr. Stryker. We're running out of time. Surely there must be something you can do. I'm doing everything I can. Now stop calling me Shirley. <laughs> the, the nun now with the guitar is singing respect to the jive guys. Oh my ass, so good. Suck to me, 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 suck to me. A little bit. Suck to me, suck to me, suck to me, suck to me. Jim never vomits at home. Um, then we have a scene with the stewardess who is, I'm scared, I've never been so scared. And I'm never married. And I'm not married. six. And and then in walks the wife saying, I've never been so scared, but at least I have a husband. <laughs> oh. For Ted in the cockpit, the controls are going blurry and he's having a flashback. And this is where it goes into the ridiculous plane crash, biplanes, bouncy planes, people, you know, like totally ridiculous things. One of the engines go out. The oil pressure. I forgot to check the oil pressure. When Kramer hears about this, the shit's going to hit the fan. You see the shit. Hit <laughs> I thought that was so damn funny. <laughs> Apparently, there was a lot of discussion on how to make the shit. I'm sure. By the way, 
the shit hits the fan and it stays in the fan for like a second and then it falls out of the fan. It is good shit consistency for that particular joke. <laughs> but like that's what makes that that joke. It's the, the shit hits the fan and it kind of stays there for a second. Well, cause the thing is, and then it falls out of the fan. Having built, made things as props to like work a certain way. You have a spinning fan. You have no idea what's oh, yeah. going to happen oh, with yeah. this. It could have gone every, yeah. Who knows? It's gonna Truth. Striker, that plane can't land itself. It takes a pilot who can handle pressure. He's off, Rex. He hasn't flown for years. It's not his fault. It could happen to any pilot. It happened to Barbara Stanwyck. You can't push him too hard. He might break. You gotta remember who you're dealing with. Nick, Pete, Jared, there's a fire in the barn. <laughs> and at this point, Ted chickens out. Puts Otto back in the chair. <laughs> back Runs in the away. control tower, we hear the fog is getting thicker. And Leon is getting <laughs> larger. <laughs> For no random reason at all. Those, the Johnny jokes are just the funniest thing in history, yeah, I yeah, thought. Really Everybody remembers those lines. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Ted said, so we haven't even talked about his drinking problem. Oh, <laughs> That's when my drinking problem, problem started. <laughs> and he just, you know, water in his face. And the doc comes up and says, I was in the war myself, medical corps. I was on late duty one night when they brought in a badly wounded pilot from one of the raids up at me and doc he said the odds were against us up there but we went in anyway captain made the right decision pilot's name was george zip (laughs) george zip right (laughs) so i i don't think i knew about newt rockney all-american or but i had heard the term win one more for the gipper yeah for the gipper i I didn't know that that part was played by ronald reagan (laughs) Yep. Oh, because this is like right when he was running for president. He he just got elected president. Or he's running. You're right. You're right. He's running. He's, running. he's, yeah. got, he's a governor yeah. of California. So it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't governor then, but but oh, he, he had he had oh. been governor. No, he's governor in the sixties. Oh wow. Yeah. And and he says Sometime the crew is up against it. The brakes are beating the boys. Tell them to get out there and give it all they've got. And win just one for the zipper. That's a long way to go for that joke. Because <laughs> they planned George Zip a long time ago. Yeah, they did. And we're hearing the music build in the background. It is the Notre Dame fight song. <laughs> I don't know where I'll be then, Doc, he said. That won't smell too good, that's for sure. It's <laughs> <laughs> another joke that's sort of a sleeper. Wait, it won't smell too... Oh, he's talking about that he's going to be a, de- a decaying corpse. <laughs> Excuse me, Doc. I've got a plane to land. And Ted gets up, and he gets into the cockpit, he gets into the seat, and now he's taking control. He is, I mean, really, Zero Hour is a classically structured film. Mm. He has a clear character flaw that he will resolve in the climax of the film in order to be the hero. It works just right. Yeah. And now he has resolved his problem. He's taken charge. And they're trying to say, you know, stay up. And he says, no dice, Chicago. I'm giving the orders, and we're coming in. I guess the foot's on the other hand now, isn't it, Kramer? It's like that didn't sound. That didn't make. That didn't come out right. And then I love, I love uh, Rex Kramer's. It's his ship now. His command. He's in charge. Boss, head man, top dog. And it goes on and on and on. (laughs) They get a newspaper, and it's they're each looking at articles. Passengers certain to die. Airline negligent. There's a sale at Penny's. There's a sale, sale at, at Penny's. <laughs> Me, John, big tree. He's just crazy. Let's go to the tower. The tower? The tower? Rapunzel! Rapunzel! 
<laughs> and then Barbara Billingsley asked the stewardess, really sweetly, how soon are we going to land? They say, oh, it won't be much longer now. And she's wearing headphones and we cut to the movie they're watching. <laughs> it's a plane crash. Which is a plane crash. Yeah. Which that is the part of the movie they cut out when they showed this movie on planes. <laughs> I'm surprised they even showed airplanes. They did on show it on airplanes. Oh my gosh. We go up to the tower where a referee makes an introduction. Captain this point, Captain McCroskey, this is Captain Kramer, Captain this. <laughs> and there's a joke which I don't know. I think this movie earns a lot of laughs because I've been laughing so much. One of the guys has got his finger in their ear and yeah, take that finger out of your ear. You don't know where it's been. And then he smells it. Oh, <laughs> the smell it was is so gross. <laughs> And Miss, Mrs. Over shows up, and she's kind of all over Kramer, and Johnny is right next to her, staring at her, <laughs> and in a moment's pause, he says, where did you get that dress? Oh, awful. Oh, <laughs> and that coat. Instead of being comforting. <laughs> the air traffic controllers are playing like an Atari video game. Yep. Um, he says, I want every light poured on that f- field. Cut to... Lights being poured out of a truck dumped onto the field. We call for every emergency vehicle, and you get this parade of first, you know, fire trucks and police cars and ambulances, and then cement mixers and school buses. They call off uh, the Air Israel flight, which has a Hasidic beard in the front. Uh, Randy shows them how to inflate their life jackets, which pops into a, a duck. Apparently, they only had two of these. They only do two takes. And to make it work, they had these uh, CO2 cans that she had to wear under her blouse. And no one told them that when CO2 shoots out, it's super cold, like super cold. Oh, yeah. So she did the first one. And, you know, you ever had the thing where something super cold feels like it's really hot? She's like, thought she was on fire. So she starts screaming. It's burning. And they're like, oh, you're acting. She's like, no, this is terrible. So this is take two. (laughs) Because it's the only second one they had. And now he's trying to fly in the plane to land. He's too erratic. You got to come in straight. And uh, we send Randy away to get strapped in. You better leave, sweetheart. You might get hurt up here. (laughs) And Elaine turns to him and says, with the romantic music from Elmer Bernstein. I wanted you to know. Now, I'm very proud. Tell him the gear is down and we're ready to land. The gear is down and we're ready to land. And then we say, put out all the run nights except Niner. And someone says, well, shouldn't we put on the searchlights now? Oh. That's just what they'll be expecting us to do. Uh, Nielsen comes in and says I just want to tell you both good luck we're all counting on you also from Zero Hour <laughs> Wow. so one of the things that's funny because he's going to come in multiple times once when they're in the middle of the landing and then again after, the landing. after they landed well one of the things that's fun about filmmaking and it's particularly fun for this joke is you, do, you don't shoot in sequence so they just shot all three of those right next to each other of course mm. oh, you know wow. they didn't shoot them because it's just like it's just the same shot of a dude opening a door so they have the dude open the door, and then the second time they say, okay, everybody shake. And he, everyone shakes. He does the same thing. And then they say, okay, everyone don't shake. It's over. He does the same thing. They probably shot it in 10 minutes. Yeah. Wow. Because it's, it's yeah, easy. you're right. You're right. You know? Shoot out of sequence. Sure is quiet out there. Yeah, too quiet. Looks like I picked the wrong week. Quit sniffing blue. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know there was a thing that was called sniffing glue. I didn't either. I had no Lucky idea what they're talking about. Not know. Yeah, didn't didn't understand that joke. I'm happy you didn't understand that joke, either of you. Yeah. If you'd known at 10 years old. Yeah, something's wrong. That's a fair yeah. point. Somebody did. We cut to a Dalmatian sitting on a fire truck. 
apparently, and I cannot believe that this is true, the Dalmatian is in zero hour. <laughs> How could that be true? That I, this is what this is. This I, I'm just telling Since you. Zero hour is fifty seven. Yeah, fifty seven. There's no There's way. no way that that's just, no, that, not that's the that's same dog. dog. No, no, it's not the. I'm not saying it's the same dog. You're saying a Dalmatian. I'm saying there was oh, a, a shot. Dalmatian. They oh, had a shot. That they makes cut sense. to a shot of a Dalmatian sitting on a fire truck in I zero hour. Oh, okay. no, no, I, I'm not saying it's the same. We're dog. doing part two of the cinephiles oh, for no. zero hour. We're talking about zero hour. John, you're gonna. I might be sick that You're gonna love it. We'll just do a commentary track. We asked the passengers all to get in crash positions. Oh, that that is hilarious. The crash positions are fantastic. Everyone is in crash position. <laughs> and then finally they see the plane and it's coming in. And there's this moment where Jonathan Banks is saying, He's all over the place. 900 feet up to 1,300 feet. What an asshole. And then as we're coming in towards the runway, all the lights on the runway go out. <laughs> we cut to Johnny with a plug saying just kidding just kidding <laughs> I, I that might have been where I was I had fallen out of my chair I just thought it was so funny uh, and now uh, Lloyd goes he's coming right at us jumps out of the window the, he, you see the Ted Strikers holding on to the stick and what they did is they put a, 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 a hydraulic motor on the stick so he really couldn't control it it was it, it actually lifted him off of his seat at one <laughs> point which they didn't keep in the movie Flight 209 now arriving at gate 8. <laughs> gate 9. Uh, gate, gate 10. 10. <laughs> this is one moment as we hear uh, Kramer yelling at structure. She just yells, push that button. Um, gate 13. Gate All 14. The are running from gate to gate. <laughs> the landing gear breaks it. The plane skids in. That's when we get anti-am, anti-am. It's a twister. It's a twister. Gate 23. The reporters all run into phone booths, knocking the phone booths over. And now the plane has landed. And the passengers get out of crash positions, and the door opens, and Leslie Nielsen walks in and says, I just want to tell you both, good luck. We're all counting on you. <laughs> we ask Stryker, are you all right? And he says, yeah, we're okay. Ted, that was probably the lousiest landing in the history of this airport. Some of us here, particularly me, would like to buy you a drink and shake your hand. That line, straight out of zero hour. <laughs> and he goes out, not realizing that Kramer's just going to keep talking. His monologue is so funny. Loneliness, that's the bottom line. I was never happy as a child. Christmas, Ted, what does that mean to you? To me, it was a living hell. You know, it's like to fall in the mud and get kicked in the head by an iron boot. Of course you don't. No one does. That never happens. Sorry, Ted, it's a dumb question. Skip that. Was that in zero hour? I don't know. I did, not think, zero I did not think that's in zero hour. The little girl gets taken out in an ambulance. More people are coming out. Uh, and as she goes away in the ambulance, it crashes. We see a little hubcap fly through the, the runway. We, we still hear Kramer talking. Municipal bonds, double A rating, best investment in America. And there is a big, huge kiss between Ted and Elaine. As the camera circles, we suddenly hear this powerful music and we cut to Otto in the plane an inflatable stewardess pops up at his co-pilot he winks and flies away to fireworks <laughs> that is the end of airplane not really yeah because except. long before marvel movies had bonus scenes <laughs> that's right you have the bonus scene at the end of airplane yeah where our guy is still in the cab at the airport at LAX the fare is like in the thousands of dollars. Yep. I'm going to give him just two more minutes. <laughs> and then the movie is over. Yeah. We also have, by the way, joke credits. Because we have things where it says things like, 
generally in charge of a lot of things. Charles Dickens, author of A Tale of Two Cities, right. is in the credit. Right. At the right. very end of the, you know, no people or places, this is a fictitious blah, 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 it says, so there. So there. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Nothing, um, no, no stone unturned. <laughs> so obviously, as you said before, it's a big hit. It made tons and tons of money. It created this whole genre of comedy with police, uh, what is it? Oh, police squad and naked gun. naked gun and hot shots movies that happened for a while. It made in the first two days it was in the theater. It paid off the whole budget. Wow! Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right because yeah. it costs only three point five, and it grossed eighty eighty three point four. Uh, it created this genre, you know, that even went into the 21st century with like scary movie. Yeah. Uh, but nothing, nothing comes close except for the first Naked Gun, which came out in 1988. Yeah. Uh, nothing, no other film comes close to Airplane as far as a spoof. And all these years, I always thought that that Airplane was a spoof of Airport, which it is. But knowing that it's all, it, it's such a, a close shot for shot version of zero hour that is how you do it yeah. find a movie that is ridiculous played straight and then you you twist it a little bit and that's right for a spoof what's funny is it is in fact a remake i mean they bought the rights yeah. to the script they you they have characters i mean it's the same story it's a remake yeah, it's a remake. Wow. yeah. their version of it I, I, i'm like pumped to go home and watch uh, zero hour i got sterling find... hayden is in zero hour sterling hayden wow. so should that so i can't i wonder who what part he's playing oh i'll bet he plays uh the Robert Stack character. Yeah, I, mean, I bet he does. I bet yeah. he does. We should check. Yeah. Um, so I will just give my final thoughts first. They're very short. I put on this movie. Normally, I watch the movie first, and then I'll watch a commentary track if there is one, because Karen wanted to watch it. I ended up watching the commentary track first, which I don't normally do. And I have the subtitles so I can you know, know what's going on. I know the movie really well. And I just kept getting sucked in and sitting right there where John is sitting right now. I just started laughing. And you know what the thing is? Like... When you're in a big group together, you're like you're seeing a movie on opening night, it's really easy to laugh. I don't usually laugh out loud by myself. I still think this movie is really fucking funny. It is so funny to me, and it is so just joke after joke. And is it silly? Absolutely. Like we just did, like we did Network, which actually is a very funny movie. It is. But Network is deep. It's about some heavy, serious stuff. This isn't heavy or serious about anything. It literally is about the jokes. Mm -hmm. How many jokes can we fit in and how silly they can be? And the sillier the jokes are, the more they make me laugh. I did not. Uh, I had not sat through and seen Airplane from start to finish in a very, very, very long time. I really cannot remember the last time I watched this movie from start to finish. So when I watched it last night, I really thought the first thing I thought of was, how is this going to hold up? Like, is it going to feel dated? And it really didn't. Mm. I mean, except for maybe a couple of Some jokes. Some of the jokes. Like yeah. the, co the coffee joke. I haven't, I haven't felt this awful since that Ronald Reagan movie. Mm. That maybe, joke's still funny. That joke is still funny. But so much about this movie is, like, I would say it's 98% holds up perfectly. You can watch this movie right now. They could have released this movie right now. No other spoof had ever been done. And it's still gold. It is the funniest, like the greatest comedies of all time. What do people talk about? They talk about Real Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles, mm. uh, you know, go Some back like to it hot. Some Like It Hot is, yeah. is one that is always like number one on like the AFI list. But Airplane to me, watching it and just laughing out loud by myself. I watched it at home by myself and I was laughing out loud. I couldn't believe how i was rediscovering it as a grown-up 
as a, uh, you know, like with this whole background now working in film and reviewing movies and, and all that going like, wow, even with all that, it still holds up above the, above the rest of these, of these other spoofs. What do you think, John? I, I don't know if I should have any final thoughts, to be honest with you. Well, look, can I ask you a question? Yes. Unless you have something good to go? I don't know. Yeah, go ahead. Here's my question. Yes. Have you had fun sitting with oh, us? of course. Reliving Early. the film? How, how does the movie that you watched compared with the movie we talked about today? <laughs> this is a better movie. What uh, I... Does... does the, <clears throat> hearing Steve and I talk about this movie and laugh at, laugh yes. at our own jokes telling the jokes yeah doesn't it make you love the movie more than watching it last night it, it, yes it makes me feel more nostalgically fun listening to you guys talk about it and in remembrance and that so but i will say this it's a funny movie i think for me it's it's a little too it's so dated now at where i'm at that i've seen the jokes so many times before right. that they don't carry the same kind of humor and i think you guys saw it at that age where you Absolutely. love it and like caddyshack is like that for me Caddyshack could probably uh, people could watch it now and probably be like, oh, this is not this is day this day. For me, I watched it when I was nine, ten years old on a VHS, and we we bought it like we bought it because I loved it so much. One of the gifts my parents gave me, and I watched it every day religiously, every day. And so it's Caddyshack, Broadcast News, and Rocky Three were the three films we got. Oh, and Wildcats, The Goldie Hawn. We watched religiously. That is a weird foursome. We're a poor family. This is Wildcats, what we could afford. Rocky Three. Rock, oh yeah, Caddyshack. Rocky, Rocky Three. I like, but I, so I yeah. think Rocky Three is better than Rocky Four. Yeah, you could argue. It is. But it like, is. But watching I did too. Caddyshack is fantastic in that way, and I think this is what it is for you guys. You know, so I would say this: if you love Airplane, I hope you enjoyed our discussion of it. And maybe you're going to go back and watch it and enjoy it again. If you've never seen it, please do not let me discourage you from seeing it. I think it's a it's a taste, and you may love it to pieces. That's what okay. I will say. Now, having said that, John Roca, <laughs> yes. I just want to say if you have never seen Airplane and you are going to watch it for the first time after after listening to this, this uh, very special episode of The Cinephiles yeah. – Cannot wait to hear what you think. If you are right. watching Airplane for the first time, make sure you, you tweet us. I'm at Movie Mance. At SR Morris. And The at Roca the, Says. At The Roca Says, yeah. Definitely tweet us. Visit us on our Facebook page. Do a search for The Cinephiles. And uh, if you watch it on YouTube, leave your comments on YouTube. If you really like listening to this and you feel like giving us a review on iTunes, they're a huge, huge help. We really could use those reviews on iTunes. If you want to support the show, you can do it on Patreon.com slash The Cinephiles. And if you want to buy airplane or any other movie we've ever talked about or rent it through amazon prime well you got to go not to amazon they're a very powerful company they don't need your help go to cinephiles.net and click on the amazon link there because we get seven cents or yeah. something off yeah. of a rental Guys, there you go Big, that's capitalism what, at its fine that's right and uh, we've already said where you can reach us so i think that is it for this week you can see us next oh but let me say first scott mance Steve Morris. Thank you very, very much for coming on the show. Thank you, Scott. Steve Morris, my friend John Roca. It is, it is seriously, I've said this before, and, I, and I'll say it again. Uh, this is the most fun I ever have talking about movies when I talk about movies on the cinephiles with the both of you guys. Thank you, as always, for always bringing me back and always just making this the best conversations. Even if Johnny Roca does not agree <laughs> with us this time around, it's okay. it still makes for an awesome conversation. You are Agreed. always one of our favorite guests, and we love having you on the show. Truth. Right on. So that is it for this week. And next time, we'll come up with another Citizen Kane of... Mm. Could that be? I don't know. Well, you'll have to stay tuned to the cinephiles to find out.